the best rugby insight and analysis. I mean, what do you say before a World Cup final? <laughs> you know, what do you say? Oh, lads, it's a big game. We better win this one. Oh, okay, yeah. No, yeah. not, not thought of it. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? Subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB's The Hurling Pod. With Ford Gosh Energy. Hurling. It's anyone's game. Welcome along. It is a third official live hurling pod. It is with thanks to Borgosh Energy. Hurling, it's anyone's game. Off the ball teaming up with the Senior Hurling Championship sponsors, Borgosh Energy, to uncover stories highlighting the positive impact that hurling is having on people's lives. For full competition details, which are running right up until the week of the All-Ireland Final, visit borgoshenergy.ie forward slash home forward slash BGE dash GAA. What a day of hurling it's been. Sometimes the hurling gods are very kind to us. Clare into back-to-back Munster finals after Dermot Ryan's stunning long-range point helped the banner to pip Cork by just a score in front of a full house at Cusick Park this afternoon. The last weekend is set up to be a grand slam finish now between Limerick and Cork particularly following Limerick's draw against Tipperary. The result of the afternoon though was at Wexford Park where two late goals from Niall Mitchell helped Westmead to overcome Wexford having trailed after just about 32 minutes of play by 17 points. It was a complete overhaul in the second half and it leaves Wexford now at risk of falling into the Joe McDonough Championship for next year. It means that Dublin are also assured of at least an All-Ireland preliminary quarter-final and almost certainly it's going to be Kilkenny against Galway in the Leinster decider for the second year in a row after they registered wins against Dublin and Antrim respectively. It also means that James Skell gets to go back to Thurless in a few weeks' time because the Galway Miners have reached the All-Ireland Minor Final. Skell, how are you getting on? I'm very well. How are you boys? We're good. Paul Murphy, you had a weekend uh, with... Uh, you had kind of mixed loyalties of what you are doing for the weekend, but you were blessed that, you know, Saturday went away with Kenny getting a routine victory, and then you sit down to watch two absolute crackers of Munster this afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Um, great weekend to hurling. Um, Kenny, look, I suppose, routine enough victory over, over Dublin. Um, game kicked into life for a few small periods, but um, today in Munster was just... Uh, it was an absolute feast to hurling, and... Um, know how many times the games kind of swayed back and forth today um, was just incredible but there's so many bits to pick through to pull through to have a look at where Limerick are at where Tip are at you know Tip building on their outstanding performances so far and then just a brilliant game in Ennis as well so just you know sometimes you build these things up too much and they don't live up to the expectations but it was just a great day of hurling yeah, I mean, Skell, if we start with the first game of the day, which is on TV in the Munster Championship today, which was Cork against Clare, bonkers mm-hmm. kind of game where it seemed Cork were going out to, out of the game, particularly in the second quarter, found the goals in the second half. Patrick Horgan misses a penalty, but Dalton's there to slash it to the net. Uh, then we can talk about the goalkeeping maybe on the Horgan goal, but Cork get themselves mm-hmm. right back into it. It seems perfectly set up for a draw. And then Dermot Ryan decides, no, do you know what? I'm going to put Clare back into the Munster final again. Yeah, and that was a ball to shot too, lads. Like I suppose if you look at the Clare backs and you were to pick out the shoot, the best shooter of them all, it's Dermot Ryan. Do you know it's Dermot Ryan? Like yeah. he's proven that over the last, uh, you know, a couple of seasons that he's well able to take uh, points from distance, and like he's probably up there in in terms of production this year with the likes of Jimmy Burns, minus the place balls, obviously. And like it was a ballsy shot, and then the, as well when the last free uh, was taken, like who catches the ball? Yeah. Jim Ryan, Jim Ryan plucks out of the air. That was that was a huge contribution too. Like, but it was a humdinger of a game though because it had kind of the feeling of like the Cork and Tipperary game of of, um, of two weeks ago, whereby like Tipperary looks to dominate in periods and you say Cork are going to they're going to lose their edge here and, and there could be a gap open up. I actually put in in the group that I, the way Clare were playing at one stage, Clare could win this by eight, nine, ten points. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just Cork just kept. I I written down here Cork just kept battling, battling, battling. But what I thought undone them. Great work ethic. Don't get me wrong. 
but just some of their deliveries into the, into the, into the full forward line. They were just two 50-50, two into no man's land. And for all the possession they had, I don't know what the possession stats were, but for all the possession they felt like they had, they didn't come with enough returns, you know, and I suppose they, they got robbed to the death. But look, it's a hard learn for them. It comes down to the wire now for next week, uh, which is going to be a hung dinner for a game again. A very difficult place to go. If I was to pick a place not to go, to try and get out of the group, to be Limerick at this stage, you know, especially after they're, they're, they're probably battle wounded as well. Um, but yeah, what a weekend of hurling. Jeez, we needed that, Liz. <laughs> we needed that. I can't tell you one thing. <laughs> we need that shot, a bit of adrenaline. So it's, it's, it's well and truly kicked the championship into gear. Yeah, I mean, for the neutral, Murph, uh, not to get ahead of ourselves here, but to have the situation where many of us thought Limerick would qualify for a Munster final, they're now looking just to make sure they're in the top three, whatever about reaching the final, because I think most people would bargain the Tipperary will beat a Waterford team with nothing to play for, but it keeps Limerick in a situation where they have to get a win against Cork in the last game at the Gaelic Grounds, which makes for perfect viewing next Sunday at four o'clock. It does, yeah. And it kind of, I suppose, you're looking at Limerick now, we weren't judging them off one performance really against Clare. Um, and look, they only lost by a point. But what we're really looking to see, I suppose, was that would this Limerick team come out of the traps against Tipperary, turn on with all their swagger, with all their hurling skill that they have, and just revert to type, go back to the way they were. And it, it, it's apparent that they haven't and they're, they're not going to. So each week that goes by, like I've been, I've been part of teams there during years where look, you, you weren't carrying injuries or anything, but maybe you suffered a loss against a team and you were kind of trying to build up the confidence again before the next game and try and get back to where you know you can be hurling um, with that, again, like I was saying, that swagger, that confidence where you really reach your potential. But, you know, there's so much of Limerick's performance today that you're looking at it going, there's just a lack of confidence here. There's, you know, maybe just a little bit of lack of belief, which happens during players' careers. But, you know, certain players not being on the ball, not having a huge influence, key and inch, you know, we just take it for granted for years now that he just influences the game and nobody can stop him. Garrod Hegarty, you know, again, didn't have a real influence on the game. And so you're just looking at Limerick saying that, you know, they're being kept really honest at the moment and they're really having to, I suppose, go to the well to somewhere they haven't been over the last few years and look for this confidence, look to steady the ship, look to now, I suppose, build back up that confidence and go at a tilt at a Munster or an All-Ireland. Like, you know, they just... It's it's an interesting place to see this Limerick team considering four weeks ago, let's say, we were sitting here saying, how is anyone going to stop them over the next two or three years? So to be sitting in this position now with the layout of the Munster table it's just really incredible and it's exactly where you'd want it you, you actually probably couldn't write it because so many things have happened that you know it'd be it, it, it's kind of lofty thinking to think that you could make up this and that it would be as good as this but it's, it, it's excellent it's excellent and the only thing I suppose that makes it really good is the fact that Limerick are in the middle of the pack fighting for their lives at the moment Hmm. Um, crack of the ash I think you massively overrate the amount of preparation that we put into doing this podcast uh, with the joke here obviously is we'll get any preloaded questions for the lads like Joanne Cantwell had for Donald Logue earlier no it, it literally does not happen that way um, if I prepped them they'd come out with prepared answers and that wouldn't be fun but it was fun watching Donald Logue uh, double down because I kind of thought originally he would be, you know, <laughs> I'm going to come out here. I'm going to half apologize for this. I'm going to say, look, it was early in the morning. I was kind of making a bit of a joke. No. And it made for good TV. I don't know how you felt about it, Skell. A lot of people were saying, oh, you know, um, he was been pushed too hard on it or, you know, let him have his view or whatever. I thought, fuck it. You got to challenge him on it because obviously the likes of Colin O'Rourke have been talking about it. So give him yeah. the chance to respond. I, I think, to be honest, the statement was so, you know, it was kind of, Brash, like a brash enough, like into a so broad, like in terms of you're, you're nearly offending a lot of people with the way the statement was. But I was, um, I, I loved it. 
I love it. I, I was cracking TV. Like I, I think that's what that's what is needed in, in in the likes of RT in the Sunday game. They need I wouldn't call it controversy, but they need just genuine, honest debate. So like he mm. made a statement last week, and then what what Joanne did was basically put him to task and uh, see does he does he still stand by the comments? And he did. And like fair mm. play to him. I know he got a bit of a roast on Twitter with with maybe how he came across, but he had to come across kind of bullish because he was kind of. I'd imagine he's caught in the hop. I, I, I judging by his facial expression and his tone, that was not uh, an orchestrated uh, section of TV. That was just out of the blue that she hit him with. And I thought he dealt with it pretty well. Um, now, do I agree with the content of what he was saying? No, I don't. <laughs> but, but again, I was sitting back uh, as a happy customer watching this let it all unfold. <laughs> Patrick Coleman's comment. I'll let you take this one up, Murph. And by all means, stick comments into us in the YouTube or on the Facebook and we'll get through as many as we can after the day we've just had. It's clearly Limerick past their prime. They're only hanging on. Their top players are gone. Uh, example, Lynch and Hegarty, Finn injured, Clare and Tipperary are the form teams in Munster now. No, I w- well, I wouldn't agree with that. Like, I mean, past their prime. Um, again, you just have to go back and remember where we were speaking about this Limerick team four weeks ago. Like, some things have changed in that time. They seem to have had a dip in form, but they're not past their prime. Like, the average age of this Limerick team is not um, is not a big age. Um, and I do think we are seeing a blip in the radar. The big question at the moment, or a blip in performance, I'd say, but... The, the big question at the moment is, can they correct it in time to salvage this year, for example? Like, that's the way they'll be looking at it. Go, well, we want to win the All-Ireland. Um, they have the players, without doubt. Um, they have everything at their disposal. It's just between the years at the moment now, it just seems to be like, you know, they know what their game plan is. Teams are coming at them really hard. They're, they seem to be getting a bit frustrated. You know, you see Barry Nash getting sent off today. And it, it's, it's you know, out of character for him to be reacting like that. But... You know, you could see Niggle in the game and Tipperary knew what they're at, in fairness to him. Tipperary said, let's, you know, poke at them here and see if they react to us. And they did. Um, and it's been something Limerick has been trying to work at for the last few years, you know, not to maybe have a bit, bit of a cooler head. But they're not past their prime, absolutely not. I mean, OK, let's say, for example, this year, if they don't go and win the All-Ireland, fine. But that doesn't mean they don't come back next year like a juggernaut and, and take over for another two or three years. It's It's... I think he can overhype these things a bit too much. Like, again, they lost to Clare by a point and after drawing with a really good Tipperary team. Um, yeah, okay, they're not where they were at real peak times over the last few years, but they're not far away from it either. So um, I absolutely would not write them off. It'd be, abs- it'd be at your pearl at this stage to write this yeah. team off. Skell, I'm not asking you to write them off in any way, but do we get to a point where... Limerick are not considered All-Ireland favourites still at this point or even if it's a longer road do you still think they're the favourites to lift the Lee McCarthy right now? I suppose on one side of your mouth you're, you're, our, our mouths we're probably looking at Clare and Chip and going they're flying it right but Limerick have only lost to, to Clare by a point and they've drawn a chip you know so mm. we're, we're not talking yeah. about a mass or a huge gap in quality here so like to, to say write them off no no way at your peril as Murph said like are they are, Ireland contenders for sure they are because like they're battling fierce hard. It's just, it's just the ball doesn't seem to be as as fluid. You know, if you remember a score they got mm. against Tipperary in the league semi final a few weeks back, whereby I can't remember the ball came over to to Nash, Nash to Lynch, whatever, and the ball didn't hit the deck. Uh, you know, for the whole passage of play, that just didn't happen today. You know, how many times mm. do we see bad passes? You know, going to Jim and Burns' feet and going to Declan Hannon's feet and just didn't stick. And then the only thing I'm looking at them saying is they're, they're probably lacking a bit of. A bit of energy, a bit of bit of buzz. Like that's why you look at Cahill O'Neill, youthful exuberance. He was bouncing on the place. I was surprised to see him taken off, but I'd say he was taken off because he just he he'd left everything on the pitch. And that's what Garage Hegarty is struggling for. He just seems to be struggling for that kind of that that bit of buzz that that has, has been in him for the last number of years. And the same kind of with Lynch. It's the same time every time King gets the ball, he's bottled up by five or six lads. That's because he's so he's so good that they have to do that. 
Um, and just if you have two players of that standing that are, I won't call them missing, but not producing what they've produced to the level they've produced in the past, you know, Limerick are going to come down naturally. They are. Why are they not producing the way they have, James, then? What is well, the you, you, asked me, you asked me a couple of weeks ago, I think, Will, um, maybe it could have been a public question too. Uh, well, you, you, you asked me, um, are Limerick, I think it was a clear game, are Limerick coming back? Or is everyone coming up? And it's everyone coming up, lads. It is, like, mm. because, like, if you, if you can't beat them, you have to join them and pass them out. And it's not as if Limerick have come back so far that we've, we've leashed, reached parity now across the teams. No, no, it's everyone's improved so much. Like, Tipperary, the way they played in this game today versus the way they played in the semi-final league was chalk and cheese. It was much more calculated, much more crisp. And I just, I don't know, with Hegarty, I just, I don't see him, like, in years previous, you could see him in the 10, the 12, the 11, wing back. You wouldn't know where you'd find him. Uh, but today he just looked anonymous like and I had to actually count when I saw Cotter Neal in the wall so much I was looking for Hecker to see was he taking off I thought I missed something I said did someone come on that I'm after missing, missing this I, mm. but like, he wasn't taking off and then again indecision and when you're lacking confidence and lacking a bit of flow that's the shot you see the shot he took in the second half of his left yeah. where it was kind of a half was it a goal was it not a goal like that's just put the ball over the bar in, in, you know, previously in such a tight game it's just it's just it's not clicking from at the moment like all he, all he can do is just stay the course and keep on rocking, stay the course, and then hopefully the wheel will, will, will turn the right direction for him. Mm. Today is not detrimental to them at all, Murph. They're still very much in contention into that last game against Cork uh, to qualify for the All-Ireland Series, even if it looks like their Munster crown is about to slip. At the same time, when, as Kelly just explained, it's not really clicking for them. And we all had this expectation that they were going to have this mini two, three-week period to get everything right and they were going to be hugely motivated going in against Tipperary. What's your assessment of what they actually produced today? Um, I suppose, I, I, I'd imagine they had like savage sessions now in between preparing for Tipperary, but really trying to gauge where they were, had they improved, you were never going to know that until you stepped out in the field against Tipperary. The thing in Limerick's situation is that there's nothing like playing Limerick to focus the mind of the opposition team. Like everybody everybody just brings their best performance when they're going against Tipperary or they'd hope to bring it anyway. Like, I mean, we've seen Watford perform really poorly so far in Munster but today against Limerick you know they, they put in a good shift in fairness to them um, Tipperary's performance today was you know excellent uh, Clare's performance when they played them excellent they just have no room for you know dropping away from the top because the, the teams that are playing them just bring their A game the whole time um, I think the thing with, with, with Limerick at the moment is just there, there's a bit of hesitation with them and that comes from a lack of confidence you see Kyle Hayes going for a point you know running up the side, nobody on him, and it, it drops harmlessly wide. Like, you know, it wasn't even that it was wide, it, it rolled out over the end line. Things like that just say to me that, you know, there's a little bit of lacking of confidence here. Keen Lynch blocked down in the first half and he was caught standing. He he didn't move with the ball and he was on the back foot striking it. Like, just things uncharacteristic of, of Limerick. Um, I think at the moment they're just trying to get that belief back into the panel. I don't think they've lost belief or that they're, you know, that their heads are in the bin altogether and they can't. It's just such a tough place. Like, they're looking to be excellent every day to go out. Um and good isn't good enough, unfortunately, at this level. And when you look at, like, if you look at in the first 10 minutes, <clears throat> Limerick or Tipperary didn't let them settle into the game. Like, Tipperary had five different scores in 10 minutes, where I think at that stage, Limerick had two. You know, so straight away, I'd say if Limerick had a bit of a doubt, Limerick were kind of going, these lads aren't going to give us an inch today. So that's the battle Limerick have at the moment. Um, and I just think, you know, we'll see over the next few weeks if they can get it back on track. Yeah, good question here coming in from Ender Burke. So eight goals conceded in two home games this championship and probably clearly missing due to injury for the final. What will Clare need to work on for the Munster final scale? 
I think well, again when I was noting here, I was I was impressed with the although he wasn't on the ball as much as others, but his movement there if it's given, he was playing in obviously he had midfield on his back, but he was playing in the eleven channel on Conlon and it looked like his job was to try bring John around the place and get him out of the sixth channel. Uh, specifically in the first half and some gaps opened up so like, they got three goal chances in, in like 11 minutes and so what it was was just running like pace, pace like if you, if you were to get at Clare you would you need to attack their full back line I think I think in my own opinion right I know people argue this but Clare's full back line is probably their weakest line if you ask me um, it's, it's, and so I think they're going to get targeted an awful lot like eight goals concession at home it's far too much lads it's far too much mm-hmm. like you know, you know yourself and we, we, we've said it here before if you're going to move forward in championships like your 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 championship structure is built on your defence. Like if you can keep out big teams and keep them keep them nullified and keep them away from raising the green flag, you're going to go a long way to win in Ireland. But um, what they need to do make their defence compact. And the thing is, with Clare, how how often do you, you see Jim Ryan like you know Fitzgerald going forward so much? They need to reduce the cover at the back as well. So like that's why like you just need McInerney as well. You need like to you need to keep everything so compact. So if you have a team that is probably I won't say struggling for pace, that's probably the wrong thing to say, but. You, Conceding goals, you just have to go back to brass tacks and make it really, really tight to the back because you know the amount of goals they concede is pulling teams back into games against them. That game should be outside to us. Should be long gone outside, but conceding the goals the manner they did, and it wasn't even you know they weren't lucky goals. They were just runs, runs that runs weren't tracked. That Kingston wasn't tracked. You know what I mean? And that uh, penetrative runs, and it's very hard to stop them. That, that's heads up. You know yourself more for defending. Like your head has to be on a swivel. When teams are attacking you because yeah. after tracking yeah. the run, you cannot get caught ball watching. That's what Tony Kelly got in. Les caught ball watching, and if you get if you if you allow Tony Kelly in today's game two yards, maybe three yards separation, you're done. <laughs> you're finished. Like that <laughs> that game is got it's either a white or green flag being raised. You know. So I just think in summary, will <clears throat> clear after come far more compact at the back. They're shooting very well up front, but just try and uh, and and close close the gap a small bit between six and three. Paul Murray, Paul Murphy, even who's Paul Murray? Paul Murphy, a four-time <laughs> All-Star defender. Give me your assessment of Clare's full backline. Then, if Skell's saying it's their weak link, yeah. Look, I mean, individually, hang on, like hang on. Whoa, not weak link, <laughs> right? Right, not weak link. It's the weakest line. So I'm comparing them to others. Okay, I, th- I thought actually, to be honest, so long a second, their weakest line then will be their weakest link. No, to follow no, the logic through here. No, it's not. It's <laughs> <laughs> right, I agree to disagree on this one. Line, isn't Paul, their weakest line. Then go on. I actually thought, to be honest, um, the cornerbacks came out with a really good ball in front of their men in the first half. They actually, which is kind of a rarity in the current game at the moment, where long ball coming in and cornerbacks reading it and coming out in front, because usually teams are set up in such a way to deliver really good ball that there's not a window for a cornerback to get out in front. But I actually thought they did that really well today. Um, and it was something really noticeable for them. But where I would see the issue is that individually, I think, you know, they're really fast players and they can get to the ball and they make good decisions and they're calm. At, most of the time, they're calm on the ball. But as a as a unit, I, I would agree with Skettle. Like, there was times there in the first 10, 15 minutes particularly, like, Claire kicked off into a really good start. But then once Cork came into it, there was gaps opening up big time in that, in that Claire backline. And you could see... The potential was there if the opposition was in the position to expose that. There was there was goals there. And when you look at the goal that Cahalan got as well, like you knew it was a goal for about five seconds because he got the ball and there was space and he ran and he said, Okay, I'm gonna carry it again just to make sure I can get the strike off. Like that's a huge amount of space in the current game for a player to carry the ball through without someone laying a hand on him. Um and it was kind of this thing that Claire the Claire full back line do have a tendency, as as good as they are as individual players, to do have a tendency to, as Skell is saying, ball watch. So watching where's the ball breaking 
but their space being exposed and you see runners filling in that space and you know all you have to do is look at their goals conceded I know a large portion of that was in the Tipperary game but that just points to like they're very charismatic going forward and they're full of heart player as a whole but they're undermined by their weakest link would be the fact that they create space or they allow space to develop in their full back line in and around their half back line and I'd say if you go back to the first 10, 15, 20 minutes in, the, in today's game regardless how clear we're playing going forward pause the game at different times and the ball goes down and look at the space that's around their back line and it, do you know to be fair even Limerick today as well there's different times and that was it, that was again uncharacteristic of Limerick over the last few years we see them protecting the D but when a team is kind of not fully confident in terms of what the system is at defending at times. They have a tendency to get pulled and dragged then. Um, so I'd agree with Skettle. Like you, you see the goals happening there and only for they're really good going forward and they're really good during their purple patches. Um, I think another team, when we're coming down the home straight of this championship, if it'd be a pity for Clare if it was their undoing because they've been forewarned so many times in during this championship that they should really, I suppose, focus on that and say, okay, look, we're really good going forward. We're doing great stuff here, but yeah. we're, we, we've shown, whether teams have exploited it or not, we've shown we're leaving space open for teams to come at us there. So it's, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to have, for Claire to have stuff to focus on. It's great that they're, it's not their undoing at the moment, but it will become an undoing potentially um, later in the championship if they don't just shore it up there that small bit of the back. I'm enjoying that our YouTube uh, contributors are obviously very well watched when it comes to movies. Uh, this is the comparison here from the bearded pirate. Limerick are still Freddy Krueger. Throw in whatever you want, they still end up right beside you. And there I is that possibility. That I watched that film when I was about 10 on my own. <laughs> it frightened the absolute shite on me. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> I still can't watch it. And I, I definitely saw one here as well. Yeah, Riverwolf comparing Tipperary, The Empire Strikes Back. Jesus, a lot of movie comments, isn't there? Mm. Yeah. Tipper always <laughs> back you know, every, every year Tipper back um, but where do you read Tipperary Scout because like alright there was a couple of fortunate goals in the Clare game but they beat Clare and Ennis they yeah. probably should have beaten Cork and Porky Cueve but for conceding a few goals things they can tighten up and improve on and they've gone toe to toe with Limerick and I think importantly, they've now come out of a game against Limerick without say losing the second half we talked about the run of fixtures where that has happened what is Liam Cahill's Tipperary shaping up like now? Um, like very good. Like I think that if you're to graph the progression from now from, from twelve months ago to now, like it's absolutely unreal. There's no, there's no other team comes near them in terms of progression. That's a fact. You know, yeah. some teams obviously regression <laughs> are, are, are similar to that in the same level, but in terms of regression, that's geez, they have something unreal. And like it's not just you're not depending on on the old heads to a certain degree now. If you told me that we, Seamus Cannon wouldn't wouldn't be starting, I wouldn't be as influential as he has previously. And Tim, Tipper still, you know, still there competing with Limerick. I, I'd find it hard to believe, you know. But like, look at the, look at the contribution from Jake Morris. I actually took a note. I took a note in the first half. Will, um, so it's obviously, and I haven't and Murph, you know, haven't played against Tipperary forwards, and me haven't seen the Tipperary forwards. It's very difficult, like uh, for a goalkeeper, right? A lot, a lot of your jobs to communicate and try structure yeah. at the back. You know what I mean? Structure everyone around you so you can just decrease space, watch runs. With Tipperary, it's actually very, very hard as a goalie to, I suppose, instruct your backs where to go because they move so well. Jake yeah. Morris, I just, said, I, I just said I'd track him. How many positions he'd pick up the ball from 10 to 15? All of them. He picked up ball in 10, 11, 12, 13, 40 feet in the first half today. Picked, up, picked them up everywhere. So that was a sign that he was just, they were just going all sides. And like, yeah. if you look at the, the Limerick structure in terms of their defence today, it was not like we've ever seen before. They had leads, they were left isolated. They, there was one stage in the first half where they had only three other six backs inside their own half. We would never associate that with Limerick. 
And that's because I think Chip Reary have played so well. Their, their, their ball efficiency has improved tenfold in, in, in a few months. Like how they're able to connect, you know, build out with the back and then connect to the middle third and then move it on, let's say, to their, to their, their big forwards. And the ball is sticking less. Like, I know we can talk about tactics and we can talk about fitness and all that is essential, don't get me wrong. But when the ball goes in and it sticks, it sticks yeah. to Jake Morris, it sticks to Bo, it sticks to Stakelin, that's, that's down to individual quality and sharpness. You know, we see, we've associated that with Limerick for years. You associate it always with the great players, you know, the TJs, Cannings, etc. Them guys make the ball stick. And just, just Tipperary's retention right now is massive. And mix that, all, couple all that stuff there and fire it into the pot that Liam Cattle creates of sheer, utter will, determination and endeavour. Like all the tip lads, it, it, they had the look of lads that are just completely shattered. Like they empty the tank. Like you ask a team, don't you, when they go out, empty the tank lads. And sometimes they yeah. lose and sometimes they don't. But tip seems just empty it. Empty it out and, and they do. And they're, 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 it seems like they're very proud of the jersey lads. It seems like they're on a mission. And again, how far can they go? Jeez, it remains to be seen. They're undefeated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're no losses, you know, they're scoring well. <laughs> the sky's the limit, lads. <laughs> Tipper back. <laughs> there you go, it's official. Tipper back. Uh, Mike Bream, with two Leinster men on the pod, sort of. So, right, Scal, you're a Leinster man. Uh, yeah, you're advocating for Leinster Championship. Go on, anyway. Answer <laughs> me this How much longer are the GA and yourselves going to persist with the shambles of your championship is in comparison to the Munster one? Well, like, <sighs> okay, Mike, is that Mike Breen? I'm assuming yeah. that Mike Green is playing today, no? <laughs> no, I don't like to say it. <laughs> like, um, we've discussed this on numerous occasions. This is no fault of Lensereth. This is absolutely no fault. Like, Munster won't even let him run their own counties. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> to a championship. Like, it's because, again, the Munster Championship is the Golden Goose. And it is brilliant. And we love it, right? But you can't be looking at Munster giving out about how difficult it is to come out. And it is like, it's, it's a war of attrition in, in that province. And then we blame Leinster for what, for what we have. Because we are, we're all Leinster in this championship. You, it's like there's nothing we can do about it. Like, if you, if, yeah. you, if you want to change it, let's no problem. Let's all mix together, and then there'll be someone to screaming from Munster Council and Munster Counties. So like, it's not our fault. So, I mean, like we, we can we can only play. I'm speaking specifically now for Galway to Guinea. Play what's in front of you, lads. And if other teams are up to the quality, so be it. So, yeah, look, so. it might not be a standard thing, Murph, but this is probably not the day to denigrate the Leinster hurling championship when Westmeath have just beaten Wexford for the first time since 1940. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I know a lot of the, the the talk will be about what happened in Munster today, but um, you know, there is glass ceilings being shattered in, in in Leinster at different times. You know, we maybe have to wait around for a while to, for them to happen. But you know, we didn't expect Wexford or we didn't expect West Mead, despite drawing with Wexford last year, to go and turn them over in Wexford Park, and you expect, especially weren't expecting it at half time. But you know, it is one of those stories that. It's, um, I suppose it gives you hope, really. Now, I know for Wexford people this evening, it's, it's not what they want. And um, there is an element of self-destruction here in, in it for Wexford as well. But nevertheless, you know, so often we've sat here and spoke about how well Joe Fortune speaks after Westmead games and how he doesn't want moral victories. He wants real victories. And, you know, the steps that Westmead are, are taking to try and, to try and, I suppose, step up. And again, with, with not a, an enormous amount of clubs compared to the counties they're trying to compete against. I mean, there's so many aspects there and football as well in Westmead. So for that performance today, um, like if you contrast that, absolutely, okay, Leinster isn't on a par in terms of entertainment with Munster. But if you look down into Munster and say, where will Kerry have that opportunity to kind of go and leave a real marker and a, a, something they can point to and say, well, Jesus, you know, wasn't that a great day? Are we making strides going forward? Well, Westmead have that today and they have it in Leinster. So, look, there's different me- measurables you can measure it against. Absolutely, it's not as entertaining or as or as competitive for, for a lot of matches. But Westmead's 
victory today it's um i think as a neutral it's 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 a really positive win you're you're delighted for westmead you're delighted for the panel players um and it's something for them to cling to now for you know going forward that like that's what they're capable of and look what look what we can do when we i suppose when things go right first and we we um we put up in a really good performance yeah, go on, go on. Just as my, uh, obviously, obviously, Linster only came into my crosshairs when we joined it, right? And mm-hmm. it's been relatively quiet, um, you know, the, the talk back in the, or, or the last couple of years because Munster has been so competitive. Like, I just did a quick Wikipedia search. Kenny have won 74 titles in Leinster. Next up is Dublin, 24. So this isn't today or yesterday. No. <laughs> There's 50 titles in the gap between first and second. Joe. So this has always been... A GA structure thing, or you know, there's there's there's, there's mass differences in quality in Leinster with Kilkenny, um, yeah. pure domination. And I, is is it because the Munster counties feel like, I suppose, if you take the five counties there, three that were coming out obviously, and they're getting a bit, I suppose, a bit hot tempered that a third Leinster county is coming out when they feel that that third Leinster county would lose to the third Munster county or even the fourth Munster county. That that's really that's the bones of the debate, isn't it? Yeah, what they're looking for probably is how do we get four teams, if not five, in Munster, including the Ireland Championship. That's what they're after. Mm. If that happened, everyone would stay quite in because, you know, I, I, don't, I think actually that happened. You wouldn't get the quality of games that we have. It's because everything's on the line in Munster and only three teams come out that you get the production. You get what yeah. you, we saw today as two mm. of the best games we've seen in recent recent years. Put that with you. You know what I mean? And uh, But if, 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 if all the teams are safety nets, you, know, you wouldn't get that production. So you can't have it always, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, I was just going to give you this one, Skell, on a similar point, uh, which comes in from Pat Wall, 1979. <clears throat> Is the standard in Leinster going to go against Galway and Kilkenny? No competitive matches uh, until the knockout stages. Munster teams will be primed and battle-hardened. Like, I don't know if that's a two-way street. In that last year, we talked about how Clare have put so much effort into where they were in the Munster final and then Kilkenny yeah. beat them in the semi-final. But is there a possibility that Galway and Kilkenny, who are almost certainly into the final now, uh, barring some kind of uh, incredible Dublin result against Galway scores-wise in the final round, is there a chance they might come in a little bit undercooked into an All-Ireland semi-final or quarter-final? I, I think there's probably pros and cons to that situation. It's like, it's like we have a debate here at home. I do always do. If you're coming out of your group in your club championship and you do you... Is it better to go into a preliminary quarterfinal or a quarterfinal? My route is always go the fastest route possible, head, 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 head the fastest. But then some people argue, well, you'd be cold coming in. And like, if you look at, like, just look at last year, um, and the proof's in the pudding, Kilkenny got to the final, and then Galway got to the semi final, obviously, taken down a Munster County in the process. And they obviously beaten by the Munster County semi final, burning guy a couple of points. So, like, signs would tell you that they would come in. Battle hardened is probably not the phrase that you use. I, I, I would expect a very, very good um, Leinster final, to be honest. I think that'll be that'll be a chalk and cheese what we saw below in Northern Park, and then they they, they land in into the that which will be a precursor for our island run. But yeah, I know it's tough on the on the Munster counties. I get that, but like Claire, have three weeks break now, haven't they? Before Munster final, I think that's on the eleventh of June, is it? Something yes. Yeah. So they, they've got they've, they've got a good break, like you know, and in between that goal, we'll continue to play two more games. So look, there's pros and cons to it all. But if I if I was to give me my preference, I would happily be in the Gawkini camp, coming through Leinster having a really good good cut off each other on this to final and then moving on. I wouldn't like to be coming out of Munster at this stage. Yeah, uh, Gary Farrell's assessment is correct about the relegation situation. So it, if two results would have to go against Wexford to go to the Joe McDonough, but Kilkenny win. And if Antrim were to win in Mullingar against Westmead, then Westmead would be ahead of Wexford on head-to-head <coughs> and it would be Wexford who would go down to the Joe McDonough. Um, Antrim need to win, though, because they're a point behind Wexford currently and would be behind Wexford on head-to-head. So it would take a sequence of results to happen. But that's one of the things, Paul, about Leinster is that threat that's there, which Waterford could well end up on zero points, no relegation. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Wexford could end up now after a bad summer potentially going to the Joe McDonough. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean that's that's a cruel blow for <clears throat> it's a cruel blow for a team. Like, and if you consider that, oftentimes, let's say Tipperary last year, people were saying once we knew they were out of Munster that okay, they're going to reassess and prepare for next year and so on. And that's you're you have the luxury of doing that in Munster. Whereas in Leinster, if you slip up, you know it, there's a there's a severe punishment for it there. So yeah, look, there is a trade off. Um, you could look at certain strands of, the, of, of of what the championships provide, and but in terms of the, the downsides there, like that, that's a big punishment for Wexford if it happens. Mm, absolutely. I mean, again, people are very strong from a Wexford perspective, and I can understand from the position <laughs> that they the were profile. in. Um, yeah, it's a fantastic one from Martin Furlong there. Uh, Lens team getting relegated, making the point that that could, um, you know, potentially even out a little bit that that risk is there, which is not there in Munster currently. Um, also, there's a few people making the point about how bad this is for Wexford. So Mark Tobin, who is a Wexford supporter, um, biggest comeback ever in Championship hurling history today. Sorry, state of Wexford hurling, forget 1940. The 1940 is the Westmead stat about the victory, but yeah. uh, for Wexford, this is, I think, as dark as it gets, really. Um, to I'm give it credit, though. It, like, it is, it's, this is it's been a tough week for Wexford. Yeah. yeah, very tough. Yeah, um, this is what uh, a Wexford man in charge of Westmead, Joe Fortune, had to say after the game because, understandably, the journalist afterwards was saying this is a fantastic scalp. Uh, this was his take when he was asked about whether it was a scalp for Westmead this afternoon. I'm fed up with the scalp thing. You know, it, it, it aggravates me at times as well. The lads put in a serious effort, you know, leashes and Westmeads and Offalies and all of this world, and we're fighting her on the flat of her back to stay in Leinster, and yet. You know, there's there's other counties there that are not you know that that, that are it's, it's just it, it, it's hard at times to take I don't get any pleasure coming down here my mum and dad are living um, 20 minutes down the road and it's it's hard as a Wexford man at times when you turn around and you hear that support they have like and they need to galvanise that support because jeez like, it's, it's it's incredible but the people that travel from Westmead today um, oh, it's, look it's it's, it's emotional I'm not going to lie to you it's hard to, to stay a man in a situation like this where you're kind of going like it means an awful lot to me and I probably doubted myself a small bit over the last couple of weeks. But look, it is what it is. And we, we, we go again now next week. So there you go. That's uh, what Joe Fortune, the Westmead manager, had to say afterwards. Um, it's a shot in the arm, Murph, for Westmead hurling particularly because they've been scrapping all year, didn't have a good year in Division 1A, but got themselves together, beat Leash in the relegation playoff. They've now put themselves in a very strong position to stay up in the Lee McCarthy for three successive seasons. When you take all those blows along the way and you have bad days, you have to give them a lot of credit on a day like today. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. Um, and I suppose beating Wexford and staying in Lee McCarthy, but staying in it during the round robin phase on your own terms is another huge measurable for Westmead to be able to say. Um, and like they have taken a few beatings. And I know Joe Fortune has come out and said it like that. You know, we don't want moral victories. And, you know, even he was speaking very passionately there that we don't refer to it as scalps. Like they want to see themselves on a par with teams. This is, a, this is a huge step towards that, though, as well, because, you know, next time we turn around and we have conversations about Westmead and, you know, maybe teams taking them for granted. Like you have a serious game here where you can point to that they went down to Wexford Park at a time when Wexford really needed a win. Uh, and we're taking for granted that this was going to be a win. 17 points down at halftime. And look, I said it already again. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, there is an element of implosion, of course, here for Wexford. And like, there's a full other conversation to be had about Wexford and where is Wexford hurling at the moment. But 
Westmead can only play what's in front of them, and it's it's an enormous win for them. And they've been, you know, they've they've been, a, a, I suppose, a, a shining light in in the Leinster Championship and how they keep going about their business, keep putting in performances. Like unfortunately against Kilkenny this year in the first match, like they were without five players and they just couldn't go and maybe have a performance where they could come away from it, like saying, you know, we did this well, we did that well. It was a tough day for them. But mm-hmm. today is a day that they can cling to now and say, and and the supporters, as Joe Fortune said, like the supporters for them to go on the road and driving home tonight of a Sunday evening hoping to watch the Sunday game and see Westmead victorious down at Wexford Park like, that's huge and it's it's brilliant and it's brilliant for the players as well because look they've put in a lot of hard miles to get to this stage so it's look it's a it's a good news story in Leicester hurling today yeah hopefully there's decent cameras this time around because remember the Derek Mac Nicholas goal last year and uh, Nokia like, 3210 was it it may well have been a 3210 <laughs> um Olive Cross, uh, one of the comments I took up there as well. Westmead up to fifth in the power rankings. I would say wait until Wednesday well, morning and you'll see. Your power happens. rankings are so all over the place, right? Worse than my draft, okay? So, just <laughs> we move on fairly swiftly about the power rankings now. All right, we have a problem, Skell. I don't recall. I don't recall where we're staying in sixth place. Um, but if I put Westmead into fifth, maybe I can use that as an argument to keep Galway in sixth at the moment because it seems I've pissed everyone off west of the Shannon, including you. <laughs> Please, <laughs> yeah. And if I saw you that day, <laughs> but can we touch on Wexford for a second? Because it's it's like a team. Do you remember the last few weeks we've been saying, you know, it goes right back to the first league game to play Galway and they conceded ten in a row. Like I know I, I'm only taking the information off what's the score, and it's a pity we couldn't see the game live or, or even have a, have a a platform to see it. But so Wexford scored a point in the 61st minute that gave them two twenty one, and then Westmead scored two four out of play put the three mm. points up. That is absolute and utter implosion. That is complete lack of game management. That's not, that's, and that's the same theme. You, when they get beaten, they get beaten in the same manner on a run. So yeah. that's going to be a terribly hard pill to swallow for Wexford. Like if you look back though as well, Scale, like Galway played them. We, we we spoke about it in the league. Galway played them below Wexford. What happened? Ten scores on the half. Ten points. Ten points. It's come back to roost, you know? Killer. Absolute killer. You know what I mean? And like, I suppose they'll head, they'll head down, <clears throat> their heads are down, I say, and the Kikini, like, am I right in saying, Murph, Kikini will want to absolutely bury them next week. <laughs> Simple as that. Yeah. Would, I would, as a Galway man, I yeah. would. I want yeah. to bury them. No, absolutely. Look, I mean, there's a rivalry between Kikini and Wexford, and there's no doubt Wexford, you know, beating us in Leinster finals in 2019. And, you know, you can guarantee Kikini, we heard about it then. Um, Kikini won't be going out into this match thinking that, okay, you know, we're getting going to be getting ready for a Leinster final and, you know, what's in, they'll want to go down there and like establish, a, a, I suppose, a mental dominance there that, you yeah. know, we might have had our ups and downs, but, you know, we've bounced backwards. Look, it is tough on Wexford. It's very tough on Wexford and it's it, it's going to be a big thing for the Wexford players to try and pick themselves up. Like, it, it, that match will be hurled purely on pride. It'll be enormous, like, amount of heart will have to be pulled out. Uh, it, a huge mental battle, you know, there's going to be a lot of spirit going to have to be shown to win that. But Kilkenny, be honest here, Murph, as well. Kilkenny, you're going to be out to try and bury them. Oh, bury them, yeah. Well, that'll be it, absolutely. Like, there's there, like the border down here, the people down there, you can guarantee down around New Ross direction, Mullinavat, you know, all around that direction, they'll want to see this match going one way. Well, the Kilkenny people will. And that is, you know, put, put Wexford in a, in a very sticky situation. You do well, too. You do too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll say not. I'll say not. <laughs> um, fair point here, Skell, as well, to take up on the Wexford uh, coming in from Pat Wall. So Darrigan will probably lose his job after this year, but is losing a 16-point lead. And it was 17 at one point in the first half on the manager. Players need to take a lot of blame here, surely. 
But especially yeah. when, what they have, 2.14 up after 32 minutes, they finish on 2.22, they concede those goals, they miss a penalty, they don't take advantage of being a man up. Mm-hmm. That surely can't be all in Derry. No, I, I see it's very hard. Like Sometimes we get, I suppose, influenced by soccer, how they put so much... You know, influence on on the on a team's performance on the manager. You know, and maybe that's that's that's, that's accurate when you're in a professional environment when you're there day in day out. But like the players have to stand back, and you know, if I was to kind of equate or divide responsibility, for me, it's ninety percent the players. That's for today, for today. Now, I'm not going to say how they 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 ran into today, how they prepared, etc. But like, it's been a tough couple of years now for Darry Eagles, and it, the truth be told, right, he probably will lose the job. You know, he probably will. Yeah. I think, as far as I'm aware, it was two years with the option of a third, wasn't it? And it's, it's hard to see. So. Yeah. It's hard to see how the Wexford County Board will look at, at the last couple of years and go, "Yeah, there's been there's been, you know, progression because there hasn't." Like, and that's the trouble, and they'd, they'd probably be looking elsewhere. And that's 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 again, that's the harsh reality of top level sport. If a team doesn't perform when they've got resources and, and they, they, they they perceive themselves to have the players, you know, someone's going to get the chop. And it looks like Derry and his management team. So it's a tough place to be in Wexford at the moment. Hmm. Uh, to Connor's point, Limerick off the top in the power rankings. I am actively considering it right now. And I see a few people saying that Claren Tip should now be in the top spots, um, potentially. That let's have a think about it. It's so strange, though, isn't it? It's so it's so strange how the, how like people are just discounting Limerick. Limerick after drawn, for me, it was a soft free at the end of the day. I thought Stack shouldn't have given that free. Not first Stack's referee, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. He shouldn't have given that free. I thought Limerick won by a point. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And here yeah. we are, like, and, and Claire only beats him a point. Like, everyone just can't yeah. down. Yeah, no, weren't weren't tip very hard done by Skell though for the potential goal chance that looked like a legit hand pass hand pass perfect hand pass yeah mm. just I, he's put on human error let's you know yeah. I thought look I thought a couple of decisions a couple of decisions today were very questionable like the Barry Nash red card was not like I can see what he was doing probably how he was trying to get the ball off off Dan McCormick but was that the other card not for me that wasn't it like if you're giving a man a second yellow and you know where it's going to be a red Jesus they want to be a right yellow. You want to be a right one, like, and for what for what Nash did to McCormick, I didn't think he constituted yellow at all. So that was a, a big call again. Um, so he, yeah, his performance was questionable. But like, again, if you're a Tipperary fan, aren't you aggrieved with that hand pass because they were through? Mm. But like the other side, you have to say is like with, with, with Barry Nash's one is sim- in the similar vein that you're saying with the hand pass, it's human error, and you get one look at it. Like you know, Sean Stack got to look at Barry Nash swinging his hands down at, at I can't remember was it Tynan or no, it wasn't Tynan, Connor Bowles Cormac, or someone. It was Cormac, sorry, yeah. Cormac, yeah. Like he just saw a swipe towards his head, and it did connect. Like I mean, it was okay, it was harmless enough, and you can get into the debate afterwards: was it yellow or not yellow? But again, like that, in a very heated part of the match, Sean Sack saw a swipe at at a player on the ground. Like you can't kind of, you know, I don't think you can discount it, and I don't think it was a harsh yellow to be honest, because like if you're if you're in a yellow card position though, Scale, like if you're in a yellow card position as a fucking corner back, whatever about being the corner forward you are on high alert that you're on a yellow card. So, like, I mean, and it does make a difference, the number on your back, because you see Carl Barrett getting booked on... in the second half there and like you could see straight away it's in his head he's going right Jesus I'm on a yellow so now I can't really be cynical or pull down a player or whatever like you know yeah. so it should have been in his head that the slightest thing here now will get me sent off you know you so see, I, I, I would always question guys like you know if they go in and do something kind of erratic like again Tim O'Mahony today for the last the last three when he got turned over on the Tony yeah. Kelly dive Tony Kelly dive let's just say what it is well it's the dive right I was saying, Jesus, in, in that moment, what are you doing? You know, yeah. but like Sean Stack will say for the hand pass, he's completely on his own there. He's got to make that decision, okay? Yeah. Error. But for the Sinton off, like, I just think he went in far too fast. Do you think he didn't confer with linesman own person? He just went in, gone. You know, so like he was pretty yeah. certain, like, you know, yeah. pretty certain. Tricky one. 
Mm. A lot of people still question Galway in sixth. Just hold on till Wednesday. Let's see where we put Galway at that point. I, by the way, I tried to caveat, and I'm pretty sure I said this to Scale as well. And it wasn't just to try and get him back on side. I was like, no, generally, I think Galway will get to the All Ireland semi-finals this year. It's just very difficult when a lot of the Munster teams have put in really impressive performances above them. It's like, yeah. do, do I drop Tipperary for drawing against Cork? Do I punish Cork for, in that case, drawing against a Tipperary team who'd already beaten Clare? But hold on, actually, on a second. Hold on. Hold on. Right. Okay. Okay. Where to Kenny in your rankings? I had them second. Well, I actually, exactly. put them down to third, and then I put them back up to second. Exactly, you put them back up to second because he came at you. That's why <laughs> he came at you. Walked that group right, and you said, "Do you know what? I keep this man on side. A fellow Linster man. Will he, will he embrace me? I'm Linster as well. Lord, embrace me." <laughs> you were too busy with the lambs. If you had got in quickly enough, you probably could have argued Galway back up to fifth or fourth position. Yeah. But yeah. You saw it far too late. Um, Martin Furlong actually made a good point as well about Wexford's 20s. Um, I know they lost the final midweek in Carlo, but there's particularly some very exciting forwards on that team. Um, But the damage would be, and this is a fair point, if they were to go into the McDonough Cup, well, obviously that's a chance to blood those players who are coming through because we've spoken a few times about it, Murph, that this Wexford team, an awful lot of them are still there from the core group from the Leinster success in 2019. And Mm. it will come to a point probably when some of these start to exit. And if you are bringing those players through... If you're the Wexford County Board of Management at the moment, you want to be able to offer them senior championship hurling as opposed to be bringing them into the McDonough because no matter how talented your players are and how much game time they're getting, they will be playing at a, at a level just a little bit lower when they're getting introduced in. I think yeah. it's vital for Wexford for that crop to keep them at senior level. It is, yeah. Like I mean, it, it's vital to have the, the the mantle of being able to say you're playing senior hurling. But um, like to be honest, it, let's say hypothetically, if, if if Wexford do go down to Joe McDonald, like I don't see them spending very much time there. I see it as being a year and popping back up. I would actually have more sympathy with the players of the likes of Lee Chin and Dio Keefe and these lads because like every year they want to be playing Lee McCarthy they don't want to play in Joe McDonough and if you were to pick who will it be more of a negative impact on the, the players that are coming through from under 20 or the lads who have gone to the well sometimes for Wexford over the years and maybe only have so many times more to go to it I'd say it's for those lads like yeah absolutely you have to introduce new players but it won't do the under 20s a whole lot of harm going hurling Joe McDonough for one year as we would imagine it would be and popping back up to Lee McCarthy whereas you know mentally it's a big it's a big dent on Wexford's reputation it's a big dent on you know they're proud hurling people and also just for the, the, the crop of players there like because potentially if Wexford had a really good run with the crop players they have. I mean, they could reach an All Ireland semi final. Like, I mean, it's not so long ago, 2019, they were in an All Ireland semi final. But the big question now is where Wexford will be looking through and sifting through the ashes. So, this one is where have we gone wrong and how have we drifted so far? And, you know, I've even seen some people like, from what I hear, Darry Egan's an absolutely excellent manager and people speak so positively, positively about him. I think there'll be more will come out of, well, where is Wexford? hurling in general you know underage hurling we see that okay under 20 happy days but there's lots of there's lots of strands there that you have to look at to go are we competitive enough across the board at club level to produce a really good senior inter-county team like because we one thing I would say in Kenny certainly is that it's so competitive that you'll keep producing good players for a senior level Wexford may have to look at their club level and go okay do we have a few individual teams going really well here but is the cut and trust of our normal club championship is that where it needs to be. I think also as well, that let's say, for example, and not ruling Darry Egan out of the job at all, I think Wexford people will also be looking at, um, you know, a Wexford person maybe for the job. You know, for so many years now, they've gone with someone outside the county. They've gone with, you know, and if you look at the likes of um, 
you know, a lot of counties, they do it for different reasons why they go outside the county, but there may be a push towards now, well, you know, let's take charge of this, let's try and implement someone who's maybe been involved in the underage structures, mm-hmm. someone who has boarded the Wexford jersey, whatever it is, and maybe that there's a cultural thing that they need to bring back in into Wexford Hurl. There's lots of stuff, there is lots of stuff. And when we say with Limerick, for example, that we're not going to jump the gun, let's say with one performance or two performances, you do have to kind of say with this year, go back to the Clare match down in Wexford Park, like an absolute hammering. You know, so many performances with Wexford this year has been like, you're, you know, the panic button kind of has to be hit soon enough. So, um, it, look, it's, it's a tough thing. And I don't think, I don't think anybody could sit down this evening now and point to one thing in Wexford where you go, that's the problem. I think there's going to probably be a few things that they have to sift through. But look, one year, Joe McDonough, I know I went a long-winded way about it. I don't think it hurts under 20 players too much, but I think there's a core group of Wexford players there that have hurled at a serious standard for years that they do not want to step down to Joe McDonough for next year. Yeah, Stephen O'Connor, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. Why speak disparagingly of the McDonough Cup? Uh, look at Offaly coming back. I would actually make the opposite argument is that once Offaly went out of the top flight, they actually went progressively downward before coming back up. They went into the Christie ring and now it's taken them another couple of seasons to get out with the McDonough and I would say no guarantee they beat Carlo at all. In fact, I think Carlo are probably narrow favourites going into that final this coming Saturday and then you could end up with a shark of a team if Wexford were to go down and next thing, a few years outside the top flight becomes half a decade and it can just become a recurring theme that you bring your standard down um, a bit lower. I think Wexford, with the group of players they have right now, should be aspiring to be in the Leinster Senior Championship. I love the McDonough as a competition, but I think for Wexford, who have been a bit above that, it could potentially drive their standards down if they end up going down. And some players could well step away if they get relegated as well. Um, also, fair point, Martin C, and you are correct. <coughs> Speaking of the 20s, surely you can't get this far into the pod without mentioning Offaly, Will. Yeah, I'm trying to keep the powder dry in this one because Jan Skell can well, talk about yeah, your goal. We'll let you have your moment. You can have your moment here. I know you're you're the balanced uh, facilitator of all this, and but we know the WhatsApp has been hopping all week now. Will, in fairness, what what a nice. the floor is your moment. Have your moment. Uh, look, it was it was a killer because I had to work. I was in the office on Wednesdays. We were a few lads on holidays, so it just wasn't really an option to go to um, Dr. Cullen Park at the week and. Mm. I was just so impressed with Offaly's performance because as Adam Screeny, who scored 112, and again, try and keep the hype down on that young lad at the moment at 17 years of age, but 15 players have come off the All-Ireland minor final team for Offaly last year. This team is way ahead of their development where this was expected. I think the hope was that in two to three seasons time, they would contest provincial finals. It's Offaly's first provincial final win since 2000 as well. I saw some people saying, you know, calm down, Offaly lost the All-Ireland final last year, yada, yada, yada. And you're like, lads, if a county who hasn't won something at this grade for 20-odd years can't enjoy a night like that and 11-odd thousand people in at the game and the scenes that were there at full time, I think you may as well give up following sport at that point. But Hmm. really, really promising. There's lots of good hurlers on that team. Again, I don't know, Skelly, you feel like you've watched these guys a few times as well. Like, Adam Screeny, the first thing that has to be said, as much as he's now been top scorer in every major final he's played for the last two years, the challenge will always be where his physical development comes from here because he is very small in stature. He scored two remarkable points over by the sideline, but you have to wait and see how these lads are going to work out when they get a little bit older. He has to fill his body out a little bit. Like you you use the word remarkable, I use the word ridiculous. Like like even even to just to take it on. First of all, he's inside the 14-yard line, okay? <laughs> Let's get that straight, right? He's the 14-yard line, and he pops the two of them over. Yes, he's light. Yes, it looks like he's swimming in the jersey. But he still puts in hits like. He still tackles hard. You know what I mean? Like, he's got a ferocious attitude. And I was I was super impressed with the way he spoke in the interview after for picking up his man the match award. Like, he just, he seemed he seemed like a very, you know, positive kind of go-getter type individual. And that's the, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to build him up too much, don't get me wrong, because he's a kid, like, that's what he is. Mm. But 
it's it's like that's what the foundation of good teams are built on is on good characters. Like if you if you look at um if you look at what Ron Nagara said yesterday, uh, sorry lads, uh, the, the, for La Rochelle, he goes, you know, get good people in the building and then you work on their competence after that. So like if you have good characters, like good good people, let's say you can you can build them. So like and like you look at your man, was it Mitchell got sent off in the forty forty first minute? Will yeah, Charlie Mitchell, and like you're thinking, your captain has gone off, and yeah. their regular senior player, this is them in deep shit, and they come back to win the game. That like that is just complete. Again, I use I used the phrase a minute ago, heart and endeavor. Like you, you can't train that. Like you can put the dog in the fight, but you can't put the fight in the dog. And like when you see lads who stand up, especially carrying the age profile they do, like Dan again, Dan Ravenhill. No one's talking about him. He's yeah. serious operator, serious operator. Mm-hmm. Like you know him. Um, like there's a lot to build on now. If you look, I think someone put up there Murph, during the week. Ironically, it was 2006, uh, the minor semi-finals. Mm, where you yeah. played Tipperary and we played Cork, and they were looking. I was looking at the programs and I was thinking, just a lot of seniors, you know, regular seniors came off those four panels, but in particular, yeah. Tipperary had like I think eight or nine guys who featured. So it's yeah. not beyond the realms of possibility to say that you know the foundation for Tipperary hurl was was built, you know, or carried through in that minor team. It was. And it yeah. still is to a certain degree, you know. So, like, you look at this Offaly team, and yes, they're, they're only 17, 18, some of them, but like in two or three years' time, this is where a team can get built, you know. And not just for the present moment, but for like all you need is in a county like Offaly, who have been successful in the past, to get back there is a bit of traction and a bit of momentum. And now it's the snowball effect. It'll get bigger and bigger. Yeah. Consider the football last year, now the 20s, the minors, etc. It'll keep rolling. And if they win the McDonough, you know, it's just it's a positive out. It's like, it's, it's just all positive now. They're, they're going to come up against a ferocious hard test against Cork. Hmm. Fierce, serious hard test. And like, but the thing is, awfully people, I, I put into the group, Will, I said, who in the name of God is minding awfully? Because the whole lot of you are blowing it <laughs> in Carlo. Like, well, well I, I was actually driving home against the traffic on the way home from Dublin afterwards. It was remarkable. Even at nearly midnight, there were still cars just kind of trailing back up into, uh, particularly Cormac Lai, where they've got like the yes. mainstay of the team. And the Faithful Fields was still open at around about midnight when I was coming home. And there was just, do you want to know what's Will? Go on. We were talking yesterday. We're obviously on before you in the, for the mm. minor finals, on before the 20 final. So we, in, going through a little nuggets yesterday after the game, we were discussing, there's going to be 20,000 people at this game. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. How are the, I think what they're going to do with this leg. They're going to be all awfully. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you might show the first as well, well, why not? You know, we can combine as Leinster champions here against uh, the Munster opposition. But yeah, again, sure. like a lot of people pointing out here, the Cork have got a very young team at the moment. I think the way this game has moved back. So originally, this was going to be a double header with the Joe McDonough Cup final this coming Saturday, which would have put Cork in a bind because they're players who are eligible for under twenty right now. I don't know whether you parachute them back in. I'll ask you about that in a moment, but. Uh, they wouldn't be able to play. But if it's on the Bancalda weekend, which it is now on the Sunday as a double header, they can potentially play their under-20 players who are on the senior Cork panel, which might work out well for them. Awfully get Charlie Mitchell, Cork at their players. I would hope, Murph, on that point, that this might be the end of the seven-day rule because people are now aware of how ridiculous it is mm. that Charlie Mitchell was allowed to play in a lower-graded competition, but yet if you play in a senior championship, your guys can't play for a week. Like We should be encouraging as many of these elite players to play under-20 as we possibly can. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and, and just for even seeing where they are and kind of how far, in, 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 yeah, to an extent, how far they are ahead of their own peers, I suppose. But, um, like, I, I would just think to myself, what a pity if, like, in 2008, we won the under 21 All Ireland and, you know, TJ and Richie Hogan, these lads were on the team, but they wouldn't have been allowed to play if, 
that was the case or potentially wouldn't. I can't remember the time difference. I think it was the following week after the All-Ireland. But, like, right. things like that. Like, I mean, they don't... Let, let's say even if we did win that All-Ireland, um, like they're kind of called bystanders on the sideline, which is just such a pity. Um, and you see other under-20 players speaking about it now at the moment. Um, I mean, we saw the Cork players speaking the other night just after, you know, their match, just that, you know, they want those players standing with them. They want those players in the dressing room. And it's it's almost like being punished for being such a good player that you can't play within your own age group. You know, it's I just, it is a pity. It is a pity. And the other thing you have to think about is, will counties or have counties left all Ireland's behind them because the fruits of their underage success has been like, you know, producing really good players that step into a senior team. You now can't play them at under 20, for example. You now don't win the under 20 All-Ireland because you haven't got your best players who are 20 years of age on the pitch. I mean, it just sounds mad when you when you break it down. And the bottom line is, if you ask those players, do you want to play it? They'll all tell you, yeah, we want to play it. So it, you're, it's like you're protecting them from something that they didn't ask to be protected from. So it's just, um, I think every anybody you speak to, it, it just has to revert back to allowing these players play. Hmm. Um, Scal, I won't let you not have your moment on the Galway Miners too. Congratulations. I was watching the games yesterday afternoon. My moment. Um, tell you what, your boys love going for goals. There's a real kind of clinical edge about that team. Yeah, um, well, so we have to like, do you know what I mean? I suppose because, again, quality opposition. I know it doesn't look like it, right? I know in the last couple of games, the, the winning margin has been double digits, but like, that we went in yesterday probably eight or nine points up at halftime and it genuinely felt honest to God it felt like we were one point or two points up mm. that's the way the game was it just we got a couple of, go- a couple of goals I'd probably say against the runner play to be honest but like just they, they came at right times God you know it's it's a good sign of a team I suppose when you get goals at the right time but you don't deserve them if that makes sense you know what I mean like it's not like you're knocking on the door all day and you get a goal like, these these both goals came against the runner play so yeah look as we got through on to the next one Simple as that. Now we'll tell you what. The, talk about playing the team down. I want you to give a bit of hype, bit of excitement here. Coming <laughs> up, just one step closer to an All Ireland title potentially here. Well, there's, there's, they're, they're a good group, I will say, and I've been su- surprised with how fast they've picked up the coaching. You know, I, I thought that let's say this might take a period of you know years to try and implement kind of a, a game plan or style into them. But like they're just they're so they're like sponges to hang on every word you say. Like say, and that's why you're you'd be always very cognizant of what messages you give them because they like they'll take it all in. And in fairness, they are they're, they're they're doing they're doing well at the moment. I say, but again, Sean got helping and Kieran Murphy came to the dressing room yesterday and they said uh, there's no cup on the table after semi-finals. That's, that's the same message we're passing on. So it's keep rocking until the job is done. Simple as that. Yeah, uh, let Nessa build the hype up here. I presume this was uh, aimed at the screeny comments from earlier. Aaron Island is better in my opinion. What is this? He's, he looks incredible let's be fair Scal you can't uh, not hype this young lad um, yeah you can't you can't not hype him like you'd say if you're looking well for me personally I'm looking at minor teams 20 teams and I'm saying right how many of those guys can we potentially or certainly should I say extract into a senior squad you know and I'm looking at him going yeah he, he should be he should be one of them like all going well provided he keeps on like he's a very 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 nice young fella head and shoulder type person you know there's no airs of grace about him a humble, a humble kid so like you, you would say that he should go places, you know. And like he has the tools to, he has the potential to. It's just that if he keeps growing them and keeps nurturing them, that that he will be hopefully. And I'm I'm saying this in, in a in a hopeful manner, not certain that he'll be a special player for Galway for years to come. 
Yeah. Uh, Owen Hurley making the point here, like there's players Cork can bring in right now who are on the senior panel. I don't know how you feel about this idea, Murph, that if you are in a situation because of the circumstance up until now, you couldn't bring Cunningham or Downey potentially into your team, but they're available on the bank holiday weekend and they could be the difference between winning an All-Ireland or not. Do you jettison these players directly into the team and just parachute them straight into the starting 15? Yeah, like, I mean, look, I suppose... If, if you pick, if you phrase it in a certain way, it sounds like, you know, these lads are just coming in and sideswiping a player who's been playing and unfortunately now doesn't get to play. But like realistically, all these players are now getting to like a fairly cutthroat part of their life in terms of inter-county hurling in that the best player has to play. That's basically it. And I think if you're part of a team that um, I suppose is well-balanced and understands where you are, you understand the decision has to be made that, you know, these lads are playing at senior level, so they're obviously the best players in the county. Well, we have to play our best team. And um, it, I, I would find that if, let's say, they didn't start them, if, if, if they had them and they were available, but they didn't start them, uh, and they, they, they played with the under-20 team they have, and it, it didn't start going their way, and they didn't throw these two players in, I think that that that's kind of worse than actually just starting them because it's kind of that might throw the team out of kilter then because it nearly sets panic in that oh we have to bring these players on now because you know we're maybe treading water here so I would just start them like they're brilliant players the purpose of this is to go out and win so if they're available you know and you can speak very frankly to the team to say look lads this is about us as a group, as a panel, as a backroom team, going, winning the game. We have to play the best players that are at our disposal. We have the opportunity now to go and play these two players. And I think any young player absolutely be disappointed if you don't play. But I think you can make a peace with it. And if there's a cup in the dressing room at the end of it, I think you kind of go, well, look, it, I have to improve. But look, we're after winning an under-20 All-Ireland, for example. You know, So um, I think you do have to play them. I think you do have to start them. Um, yeah. And you look it's just the nature of it that's just a hand or dealt and bottom line it comes back to you have to play your best team yeah, yeah. interesting question from Connor here Skell. if there was a relegation final between Wexford and Waterford who would win you have to say Waterford don't you yeah true to speak at the moment like, I suppose the, the opposition they're facing is, is perceived to be better at the moment um, but just looking at I suppose where What's Watford ceiling? What's Wexford ceiling at this very pre- this very moment, this present time? You'd say Watford is higher. So if they if they sh- if they were if there was a showdown, I'd, I'd say they 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 knock through. Yeah. Do you go with that, Murph? Yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, I know we've, um, I suppose we've been fairly cutthroat with Watford there over the last few weeks, uh, and even look, their own supporters have been as well. But they're not in the same place that Wexford are. Like, and I don't know, is there any consolation in Wexford or Watford supporters taking that? But I think if Watford and Wexford go and play tomorrow, I think Watford win by probably 10 points hmm. uh, Paul Tierney there wondering about Cormac Egan uh, potentially sticking with hurling uh, the feeling I get is he will play football at senior level but he wanted to hurl with this group because uh, quite a few of this team he would have played in both Leinster minor finals with in 2020 a uh, very unique achievement um, he's up there with I think three or four Offaly players who have two Leinster medals at the old under 21 slash under 20 medals so he's now a dual Leinster medal winner which is remarkable enough and uh, also Paul Tierney putting out that Dan Ravenhill played quite well um, I saw one that I wanted to get Skell to defend himself on here a second ago apparently Skell has become a cute whore as a pundit was one of the claims that was being made along the way that apparently once upon a time you would have been the type of guy before you got cute Skell who would have been talking about the dark arts and celebrating the idea of killing the game and uh, doing what you have to do to win here we go I think I've got it here now. 
There we go. In the this coming in from Emma moment. In the early days of punditry, before he got cute, Skell compounded the strategy or expounded the strategy even of late game management. Lads go down, time waste, and if you have to start a fight, you go start a fight. Have you changed, Skell? Have you got cleverer? Well, I, I was always clever, Will. Right. <laughs> I was always clever, but no, no missed moment. I, I've not changed. I'm absolutely all for it. It's just the degree or, or how how you go about it. I would question at times, and I guarantee you, she's probably pointed at at the Tony Kelly where I said the dive a bit. You. <laughs> 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 you know what I mean? Like I bet you she's fighting at that. So I'm going to hedge my bets and say she's from Clare. Okay, <laughs> but um, no, I'm all for that. Like I, I think um, again today there was a passage of play where Nicky Quaid had to had to go down. I thought he was yeah. sick, so like he yeah. act, he acted very well. You know, and yeah. truth, to be truthfully honest, I thought Cahill Barrett went down. Um, then he got taken off. Like, so I'm not sure, you know, how much uh, honesty was in that one. But um, yeah, I'm on for it. You do what you have to do, lads. Like, again, like we were saying, just go back to the minor game for a second. Will we in the second half there was a point that was for Hawkeye, hmm. and it took about a minute to go through, and it was for us. And by God, we needed it at that stage. It was like someone said it was like a timeout. We need we need that that break. So that just shows the. I suppose the value in kind of killing the play, killing the run, killing momentum, etc. And away you go. Like we played a, I, I will, I'll say it straight out, we played a club, a club quarterfinal a few years ago and we were down four or five points. There was about five minutes left. I turned to our, our wing back and I just said, start a fight. Just start a fight, I said. And he went out and he started a fight and it became a ferocious schmuzzle and we got, we drew in text time, we bet them. We were we were we were screwed at that stage, right? At, at that stage, and we just turned the wing back to start a fight, and next thing you just grabbed your man in a headlock. And I know it's probably not great; it's probably frowned upon. But you do what you have to do, folks. Did, did the wing back have any hes- hesitation about doing this, or was he just like? Well, he looked at me. Okay. He looked at me, and he was kind of going. He paused. He just went, "Okay." Like the scene in the town. Do you remember the film in the town? <laughs> yeah. And your man goes, yeah, yeah. goes like, we're going to hurt some people. And he goes, right. And the other guy, other guy goes, who's driving? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, no questions asked. Just go. Just go do it. He's so, giving yeah. away far too much. If there's Galway hurlers watching this right now and Cappy come up later in the year, he, they know what's coming. Uh, Skell coming out trying to instigate fights uh, Michael Redden tip kept goalless again soft free at home against 14 men since 2019 league and championship they played 10 Limerick have won 8 tip have won none 2 draws 3 managers in 10 games still can't beat Limerick Ooh, that's a statement and a half isn't it it is a statement yeah Ooh. but again yeah. we talked about it last week I mean Limerick have had the upper hand under Kylie, and they've found a way to win when it comes to these games against Tipperary and even when they've had to uh, dig in deep and today, I think the draw is not detrimental to either team. I think they'll both yeah, come away. But I think uh, like, reason me happy. Like if you, if you, t- so obviously that was a comparison between Limerick and Tipperary. Mm-hmm. If you take any other county and do that comparison with Limerick, it's all the same. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's all the same. Like because Limerick can beat everybody, so it's just the, the gap is closing, right? Though it's yeah. closing. It's still just keeping the vein though. Of the do you know the Tipperary? I suppose the the hoodoo that we're talking about of even Tipperary being ahead, but just losing the second half against John Kiley's Limerick in that. I think up to today it was 69 points was the difference in second halves over the last like four or five years and like Limerick won the second half again today like tip up by three going in half time draw game so like it was the losing of the second half now look not a major thing and it wasn't like they were blown out of the water obviously but nevertheless like I was thinking of myself at half time that it'd be a big statement of this Tipperary team if they won the second half not even about winning the game because obviously if they won the second half they won the game but it was just that of you know, they've had so many games with them and particularly the one down in Parky Cueve where it was just Limerick completely seemed to have a mental hold over them. Yeah. So I thought specifically that 35 minutes today, if Tipperary won the second half, 
that was a big, I suppose, I suppose breaking of the of the trend over the last few years. So, but they didn't do it, but didn't lose the game either. So that that in itself is a is a good thing for Tip. Yeah, um, reasonable question here uh, coming in from Ryan Rooney. Uh, lads, do a live watch along of a provincial or all Ireland final? Um, possibly depends if it's the actually, guys are working for OTB at the finals, which is uh, it's actually possibly. hilarious. Uh, NFL, here we go again, lads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Peyton Manning, his brother, do it. Manning fest. I don't know. Have you, have, you, <laughs> have you watched that? No. <laughs> no. So Peyton oh, Manning, actually, his brother Eli, they do that like they they bring on a guest. And they watch the games. It's actually hilarious. Yeah. I actually, do you know what? I did watch one of them because there was one that went viral because Peyton Manning called a play from a mile off. He basically said, what's going to happen here is X, Y, and Z. Now, I didn't understand the finer details of it, but they just said the ability that he called that play was like 100 to 1 before it. Like, but uh, yeah, it's actually, it is actually a good, um, it's a good format. Yeah. Uh, where would the potential be the final be if it's a tip Clare final, which it almost certainly will be? Uh, I think for sports they keep it in Thurless, but there is arguable tip home advantage then will come into play. I, I don't think that's a good one. If you were Clare, would you agree to play it, Paul, in Thurless? Even though like both teams are very familiar with the venue, or would you be given too much away to Tipperary by playing it there? I think Clare like Thurless anyway, but I, I do probably think you have to think of the element of yeah, absolutely. Thurless is the is the religious home of Munster Hurland, but maybe just bring it to the Gaelic grounds or to Parky Cueve. We, we've seen Parky Cueve is is an excellent ground for for atmosphere as well. So maybe just take it out and take the conversation away from it because um, Clare perform absolutely excellent uh, in in Thurless the whole time, but nevertheless, I'd be looking for any bit of ground I could take back from Tipperary if I was in the Clare camp at the moment and that could be one because you know Tipperary will perform if they're playing in Thurless as well so maybe yeah I'd bring it to the Gaelic grounds or, or Park Aquee but probably the Gaelic grounds maybe is, is is the one that makes a bit more sense or bring it to Nola Park we'll happily we'll happily host that oh yeah rejuvenate <laughs> <laughs> the town is it <laughs> what will happen now is it'll end up in Cork and people will complain that it's back in Porky Cueve again but let that debate uh, come up what's with the, you next time what's the support uh, between Limerick and Chip nearly 50-50 today that's what it felt like on watching television that'd be fair to say I don't I know it was a good, good tip numbers, crowd yeah. I think probably I think it would have been Margie in Tipperary's favour I think uh, Liam Cahill rounding the wagons a few weeks ago and saying tip supporters have to come out for this game I think uh, I think tip came out in pretty good numbers Limerick always yeah. travel well though yeah, yeah. In, recent, in recent years yeah, yeah. Even, even before I think when the All-Irelands they generally had a fairly good uh, attendance at games as well uh, Keith Scanlon uh, this is on behalf of the Clare people effectively Scale you can have this one first I oh, seem yeah. to remember some people said Claire would, wouldn't even finish in the top three. Laughing my ass off. Ha ha. So there's two of them here. You lads thought it was going to be yeah. very close in Munster, but you didn't think they were going to qualify. Skell? This is, this is hilarious. Like, you know, I, I love this. You see, part of our job here, right, is to try and look into our crystal ball and make, <laughs> make judgment calls on evidence we've seen, right? So we, we said that it would be awful tight. The, the, the margin of separation is 1% less and the signs are fully on. Limerick, Clare have been beaten by Tipperary. They've beaten Limerick by a point. They've beaten Cork by a point. You know, so it's, it's, it's so, so close. Limerick have drawn with Tipperary. It's, it's, we're not talking about hammerings here. Like, you know, we're talking about the single, the single, uh, the, the, the smallest margin of victory. And that's, what, that's what's happening. Like, Clare yeah. must have final. Exactly. So, like, again, slow your roll. Win the yeah. monster final and move on. Because it's 25 years, folks. You know what I mean? So... Yeah. But also as well, like you have to look at the point of view that if you scroll up through the comments there, Will, you'll find 
Monster hurling, it's brilliant. There's a pocket of ball between all five teams. Scroll down then, and we're getting given out to for getting it wrong that we managed to <laughs> not pick the very three. Like, you can't have the same argument of saying, Jesus, you can't, nothing separating the teams of Monster, and then saying we're all clowns because we don't get to. I'm top fully three. expecting stones and tomatoes <laughs> and cabbage to come in the flipper window. I mean, I'll get so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> like, regardless nearly of what we say in this podcast. You're nearly going to get abuse saying, "How dare you say that against my team?" Like you know, unfortunately, <laughs> our crystal balls were broken at the start of the year. We didn't know exactly what way it was going to play out. But um, well, here's the thing, Murph. I've cleared yeah. a little bit better than you thought they were going to be. Yeah, like I mean, again, it goes back to let's say the power rankings, for example. Like, like if you're big in the power rankings, it's over a consistent period of time, and you look at a team and you say, consistently, is there things to point at here to say that this team is headed in the right direction? Could you look at Clare's league and say? they were heading this direction. No, the performances they're doing at the moment, they were not doing during the league. Um, but you could you could say that for Tipperary. Tipperary were hurling really well during the league. So there's measurables to look at. How Clare went out of the championship last year, you look at that and you go, you know, was it all heart? Were they just hurling with all heart? Did they have enough of a panel to, to support a sort of a run like that? So you're trying to look at the measurables that were there. And if Clare went into the league and performed, you know, really well, and like go back, let's say, look at Limerick and Clare in the league match. Was it a Saturday evening in the Gaelic Crowns? Horrendous game. Clare were absolutely terrible. You know, you can't look at that and say, but I guarantee they will be top of the table by the end of the day. You just can't, you know, there's, if, if you're, you can only work with what you're looking at. And like we were saying with the power rankings of, do we take Limerick off it? I do think there's an argument absolutely at the moment because now we've seen a few weeks of where other teams have consistently went really well. And Limerick are potentially now going to lose their Munster crown. So now, that, yeah, absolutely, the conversation is there. But, you know, six weeks ago, you couldn't say that. You absolutely could not say that. So, like, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you, you roll the dice on these things and you, you, from what you can see in front of you and what teams have, you try and make a calculation on this. But the beauty, particularly of the Munster Championship at the moment, is that everybody who has predicted something has been bitten during this Munster Championship. Everybody. Like, you mean, there's been, like, both of us, I went with Limerick today, Skehill, you went with Tip. We're both wrong. It was a draw match. None of us even thought of going for a draw, you know. Um, So it's just, it's so hard. It's just so hard to try and pick it. And I would always make the argument then that if you're in that situation where you're saying that people are getting things so wrong, that's probably because you have a really good championship on your hands. Yeah, um, there's a couple of people who were uh, also asking about predictions for next week. Now, we, we will get on to that in a little bit. There's some interesting ones coming in along the way, too. Um, Owen Downey here making a very fair point is the future looks very bright for Clare Hurling. Uh, Munster Senior Hurling Final, as well as the All-Ireland Minor Hurling Final. Uh, their 20s have been competitive this year, too. I think we mentioned this last week, Scal, the fact that it's remarkable how quickly Clare have turned around from a doom and gloom situation. And everyone was talking about their training field. They were talking about finances within the county board. They were talking about potentially there could be slippage in some of the underage results that they had. Um, but right now, on what we've seen so far from Clare this summer, they'd have to be probably the happiest Munster County with the way their teams are going from minor right through to senior right now. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think also like with the way the schools are playing as well. You know what I mean? They're... they're, they're they're hot, uh, hotly com- competitive in, in that also. But like when, when you're producing positive results on the pitch, everything else becomes, you know, irrelevant. You know, like it's it's when things are going wrong, like you see now what for the minute that every other little issue that's that's going on in the county, whether it be, you know, in a school or in, in juvenile structures, etc., becomes, you know, heightened. Like it's it's there's a magnifying glass in every little move that's been done or every issue that, that's 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 relevant at that time. Whereas in the clear at the minute now, it, the sole focus is on the production on the pitch. 
and the signs are on they're producing so like I know obviously they didn't they didn't make the under 20 final uh, but they made the Munster final um, they were seriously competitive I, I thought they should to be honest I thought they should have won the game when I was watching it um, but again it's not, it's not doom and gloom they're, they're rolling ro- rolling in the right direction um, and it's just again it's just it's, it's like the a collective group have come together and it's like if you watch the three teams play I think it's so surprising they're, they're all playing kind of very very similar <laughs> they're all playing the same kind of systematic approach with the way they're defending and attacking you know it's, I, I found it unusual because again if you could go in minors 20s and seniors three of the teams aren't playing, playing the same but it's like Clare are all playing the same they're adopting the same kind of system so it just looks like it's a collective approach both on the pitch and off the pitch so it was good for them yeah, uh, Darrow Connor. Was there much of a scrap at the end of the Limerick Tip game? Uh, I was watching TV. I didn't have the sound up because I was working at the time. So we we're kind of chatting with the lads a bit earlier. Now, Declan Laffin did address this. This is what Declan Laffin, the uh, Tipperary selector, had to say because neither Liam Cahill nor John Kiley spoke to the written press afterwards. But Declan Laffin came out to speak on behalf of Tipperary, and he spoke about a couple of things that have come up in the comments too, which is Tipperary stopping the goal chances, which were a problem in the first two games and then he talks about the bit of argy-bargy after full time as well a lot of criticism of the defence after the first two games uh, but they tightened up a lot today yeah um, I'm trying to remember inside before I came out what's their goal chances uh, probably Caron or Carl Barrett maybe recovered one situation that looked really risky and there was another maybe half chance I think we probably had one maybe early in the second half uh, the one that Jake flashed over the bar that I think he went to Hawkeye thought maybe uh, it spilled away from Mark Kyo previously if it hadn't spilled away I think he might have got in look um, you know we're delighted with that obviously but look we're always hoping for improvements and you know it's you know it's still early days and involving us like so we'll take it from there you never had any doubt of it. Ah, look, Tom Paul Steele stand up there um, after the last day, and uh, you know, kudos to him, fair play to him. You know, I'm really proud of him, and uh, tremendous for him personally. I think it got a little bit feisty after the final whistle. I've never seen Noel kind of as angry. I don't know was something said or. Uh, I, I honestly don't know what happened, but look, that's that's hurting. It gets, it gets emotional. All right, thanks, guys. There you go. So Declan Laffin, understandably, was kind of, you know, sidestepping that a little bit. I I don't know. It looked a bit more kind of pushing rather than any kind of striking going on. But Mm. look, it goes to show the rivalry is still there. Go on. Like Norm McGrath, like knowing him personally, like he's a very, very calm individual. I've never seen him that way before, ever. So something was definitely said. (laughs) I'd love to know what was said. Um, I want to ask both of you about the idea, um, Paul, I'll come to you first on it, about Limerick having to potentially go the long way around. Like, it's going to be tough on Offaly or Carlo if they're to draw Limerick in the next round, if Limerick were to navigate Cork in the next game. But if, in theory, Limerick were to go preliminary quarterfinal and then they've got that much longer route to get back round to an All-Ireland final, could that actually turn out to be not a bad thing for Limerick if Limerick aren't quite finding their form yet? Yeah, it could be. It could be the, the the space where Limerick enter into to actually just find their form, and then like I mean, we saw Clare win the 2013 All Ireland from from that position. You know, um, we in 2012, like after Galway bet us well, we went entered into quarter final, played against uh, Limerick actually in the quarter final, and again, I suppose that Limerick team obviously didn't have the same cut and trust of this current team. Uh, we kind of stuttered and started at the start of that game, didn't really get our form going. But towards the end of the game, you know, we, we, we hit a good patch for the last 20 minutes and we carried that over into the semi-final and against Tip. So I think if Limerick, if, yeah, if Limerick do go that route, 
I think it allows them to step out of all the hype. They actually kind of go wayside stage for a little bit and people start focusing on, okay, the provincial finals now and who's going to win this. Limerick go and start preparing. They'll, the standard will drop a little bit for them. They'll have a chance then to, I suppose, get that fo- get that mojo back into their game and get the bit of flow back into it. And again, the word I said, swagger, get that swagger in their backs up and come back in then you know, and face a team who is full of confidence, who would want to put them down, but Limerick have had a bit of time to prepare. I do think it would it would suit them. Now, the only thing um, that you'd have to temper that with, and John Kiley and Paul Connor, I'm sure, would be excellent at that, is that if they do go in through that, is managing how you don't kill their confidence by saying, you know, you deserve to be here, while at the same time kind of saying that, well, look at, you know, um, if the if the shirt fits, you wear it. Like, I mean, we deserve to be here because we just didn't hurl well enough. Like, you know, so you're trying to strike that balance where you're building up someone's confidence. We're also, I suppose, making them realise that, you know, we've dropped our standards here as well. Like, you know, so I think it could suit them. And from playing through that position before, um, I certainly know that maybe it was better off that, uh, you know, our, we got our kick in the arse earlier in the championship before it was too late. Yeah, Um don't listen to me for a second scale, but in 2018, Limerick were third in the group and came through that way to win the All-Ireland that year. So it wouldn't be strange to some of this group uh, to have to go the longer route anyway. I wouldn't listen to That's <laughs> <laughs> But I'm just saying it's happened before. This wouldn't be uh, new to... No, Mark okay. was talking, yeah, because weren't Cork in the Munster final in 18, were they? In Munster final in 18. Um, they must have been because they went straight to a semi-final and they played Cork, Limerick. Was Cork and Clare, was it? Can Cork so. clear? Am I right in saying that? Cork were definitely champions on it because Cork were in the semi final, weren't they? I thought they, they played Limerick as a qualifier, I think. Yeah. It wasn't too good watching, right? Yeah. Hmm. Well, Cork were clear. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Are you, are you distracted from the point now that we're talking about 2018, Scott? Yeah, the minute mm-hmm. 18 mentioned it, just shuts <laughs> you out. just started talking about who was in the Munster final. Murphy, <laughs> you are wise to my tricks now. <laughs> in this moment, I'm still a cute word, but Murphy has been talked. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's filibusting technically. But anyway, right, go on. We'll let you off because you won't talk about 2018. You can take this one then, because this is a goalkeeper based question coming from Paul Tierney on the Facebook. Uh, Claire mixing it around with keepers uh, with Foudy, Quilligan. Claire under 20 keeper looks as good as both. Would you fast forward him or wait? Um, just to come on that, on that point, and not just to get away from the Clare point, because I think at this stage that Quilligan is probably their first choice for the rest of the year. But um, Reese Skelly obviously came up at the, or Reese Shelley should say, came up at the Tipperary goalkeeper, where they've switched him in now that he's got fit. We've actually seen quite a bit of uh, goalkeeper rotation and goalkeeper changes during the championship here, Skelly. Yeah, I, th- I think it's probably down to the importance of strategy. And what what your goalkeeper? What's his what his strengths are? So like, if you look at the puck out strategy today with Tipperary, possession was nine tenths at all. Like if you could maintain possession against Limerick here and have the ball, it was suited towards uh, Tipperary style of play for the forwards. And like some of his puck outs today were fabulous. And like if you if you enter a high risk high reward type of game, whereby you're you're, you're pushing those margins, you're, you're going for those tight angles, those tight tight lanes. There's going to be one or two that are going to cut out. It's just it's just look, it's reality. It's top level sport, and you're going to get like a team as good as Limerick. You're going to cut you out every now and then. But I thought they did very well. It did really, really well. And some of his bookouts were pinpoint. There was one in particular, yeah. just got over Lynch by about two inches. I remember that one. The second just half got over. Yeah, I was looking yeah. going, oh, geez, yeah. But when it lands, it's it's so satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> because you know Lynch is jumping as high as he can to get it. He can't get it. <laughs> so that means you've measured it to perfection. Um, but I, in, and in the clear situation, to answer that person's question, like, no, you don't fast forward to the 20 goalie. You bring them in and you expose them to the, to, to the whole situation for, for a period of time and then see if they're able to cut it because the chalk and cheese the two teams are way different in terms of calibre and just even the difficulty mentally um, 
But Quilgan himself, like I'd say, he probably be disappointed with his performance today. Like I thought mm. his putbacks were pretty okay, but mm. a couple of goals, I'd say he looked at him and go, "Easy could have done better," especially on the. Yeah. So what's in his mind on the Patrick Horgan one? Because we were kind of WhatsApping at the time when that goal went in, and my first thought is, you got to protect your front post. Yeah, the, the, the protecting the front post is probably you know that that that's been a historical thought for years. That's been in right. soccer. That's been in, in every sport history. Right? But since the ball is traveling so quick, so. And I trust me, I know when the when the player strikes the ball, the the human body can't react as fast. So we have to pro- you process it mentally, right? Uh, the ball is going this direction, and then you react with your your arms or your muscles, right? Can't react that fast. So there there is some times where you'll see goalkeepers will introduce an element of guesswork. That's ex- he's he's guessing. Okay, I'm taking a chance here. He's going to go this side, and as I'm falling, remember I was saying to you before with Owen Murphy making a save. When yeah. you're falling, it's much easier to make a save than it is when you're standing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So he, unfortunately for Ever, he guessed. He, yeah. he put all his chips on Horgan going across his body, heading into the bottom left-hand corner as as as, as Eva signed the goals, and Horgan outsmarted him and put it in the in the front side. Is your so, instinct as a goalkeeper, because obviously if this is a, a split-second decision you have to make, when he sees Horgan and the way that Horgan is shaping up and he's shortening his grip, I'm assuming he's thinking that Horgan's going right across me. Yeah, because all the moves. real top-level forwards, like there's there's only been a f- there's, there's a few that do it, and like TJ comes to mind. Joe Tony Kelly did it today with the penalty. Horgan can do it, whereby they can shape the body one direction, but put put the ball in another direction. I'd, I'd say Owen Cody can definitely do it as well. So like you're looking, you're, and you're re- you're looking for signals. You're looking for any kind of signal at all to give me just a little little inch. And so Horgan probably shaped across and then slotted. He he, he did because he slotted it low. He kind of he kind of backspinned into the ground. You know what I mean? Which means he didn't get full power in it. He just placed it lovely and. That like that was some finish, and I, I if I'm coaching forwards um, and they're in that opportunity, like or in that situation, you'd be saying hit hit for the near post because the goalkeeper never expects it. You know what I mean? Mm. But like even for even like the two goals, the one that Catalan uh, gone, I thought both Horgan's goal and and Cal's goal, he needs to close them now because you're a sitting duck, lads. Like there's the 21 foot for, for the person to aim at. Like so, if you stand there, let them walk in five or six yards, you're done. You're cooked. So just go out and. Tackle them or spread yourself like the Schmeichels, like, like pause and try and increase your probability of making a save. So I'd say he look at that and probably reach his teeth a small bit. Yeah, I'd strongly recommend if anyone wants to hear more about Richelli and why he's come into the Tipperary team and why they played him before he got injured, have a listen to Anthony Nash from last Friday's Off the Ball, which is up on our YouTube. Uh, he coached him at UL this year and said his distribution is a huge reason why. And he thinks Tipperary may well have started him ahead of Barry Hogan earlier in the year if he hadn't picked up an injury that apparently like Cahill is just a huge fan and he feels now is the time to actually uh, develop and get him game time and he didn't feel it was a risk at all putting him in like what a nice situation UL had where they've got Tipperary's championship starting goalkeeper and the Dean Mason the All-Ireland winning goalkeeper with Bally Hale on their books at the same time not a bad option to have at third level for the uh, Fitzgibbon this season so yeah pretty nicely set up and um, the last the other two games in Leinster I don't think we need to dwell on them because of the nature of the victories but it seems Gal today Conor Cooney gets seven points does mm-hmm. a lot of damage there was a point in that game where Galway had lost a couple of frontline players to injury inside the first 10 or 11 minutes and Conal Cunning scores the goal and you're thinking Rantrum going to make this a bit sticky uh, but then even by half time, I think Galway were getting 18, 19 points up. So that yep. seems to me like a fairly professional performance from Galway today. Yeah, like some, 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 I, I do find even playing these games, sometimes like it's they're hard to manage expectation, both in the group and outside of it. Because like, if you hammer the team, Asher was expected of you. And if it's a, if it's, if it's a close game, then you're not going well. So it's a kind of a poison chalice to a certain degree playing playing teams where you think there's a perceived growth in talents. But I just think they went about their business economically, if you ask me. 
Um, the player, the players I wanted to see, I wanted to see Connor Cooney didn't play the last game, obviously against Westmead, he wasn't in the squad. So like, and he probably wasn't uh, overly content with his performance uh, the week against Kilkenny. So for him, you know, to come back and and kind of shoot the lights up pretty well, like good for him. We need him going well. Um, and look, I hope the injuries aren't too serious. But look, it was just go in, get the job done, and move on. That's that's exactly. And that's I know it's, it sounds very even somewhat degrading, but that's it's. I don't mean to be that way. Get in, get job done. Hopefully, no injuries. Move on to the next. Yeah, not wanting to uh, get away from 2018 entirely. Patrick Coleman is back in. Can you ask El, does he remember 2018 after being hit by the ball? Uh, it was the knee. The knee inside of the head. Um, knee. I don't. Yeah. I, you see, it's a strange one. I, I would have spoken about this before to someone. Like, it could have been Arthur. Uh, Arthur with it. So like, I watched the game back, right? And it's very, very kind of surreal because I don't remember the, the incident, you know what I mean, or the second, or the second half. Like, I don't remember that. But I'm, but I'm watching it, so it happened. Do you get me? It's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of hard to explain. Mm. I'm looking and going, yeah, that was me. I can see myself. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I don't remember being partaking in it at all. But I remember the first half. So it doesn't make sense. So, yeah, strange one. Yeah. Um, Shane Power. Will, in theory, could Adam Screeny, Dan Ravenhill, etc., play in the Joe McDonough final? They could. No, no, no theory about it. I think... Uh, I think Cochter, if he's fit, will be on the panel for the senior team. Charlie Mitchell will play and will probably play the weekend afterwards. There's no reason they couldn't be brought up. The only thing is, with two of the lads you've mentioned there, and Adam Screeny and Dan Ravenhill, they're only just 17. I think I think Dave Ravenhill might be just turned 18 at this stage during their first year out of minor. be a big ass to put them straight in for a John McDonough Cup final. But um, in yeah. theory, yeah, they could play and still be eligible to play in the final the week afterwards. And the seven-day rule doesn't count. If the final had been the next day or Monday, they can still play in the John McDonough and play in the 20s. Something I've said a hundred times, loads of people tweeted me about it during the week when Offaly had the request to move the game and Cork had no problem moving it. I think it's wrong. I think you should either have a block on adult plus under 20 with a seven-day rule or not have it at all. And I suppose somebody probably meant well, Murph, along the way where I'd say the reason they left the graded competitions in was that they're probably thinking some of these teams will be stuck for a pick. So therefore, let them play 20s and we're not going to take away from panels that might be stretched. But then you get a team where there is a panel that's available for seniors and it's not in the spirit of the rule that you're allowed playing the McDonough, but not in the senior competitions. Yeah, it's a strange one. Like, it's hard to know is it the case that that was the thinking behind it or maybe that it was just a loophole that was not catered for when it was being implemented. It's it's, it's a strange one to know because, again... um, like we reference certain players who aren't eligible for their under twenties, but then you know they're playing for their for their adult team. But then other players, just through the nature of as this, as you're saying, the loophole, or maybe it's intended that they can play for either or, and they get to they get to keep their their foot in both camps. So it's a strange one, um, and I haven't seen the reason as to why that was the thought process. But like I said, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just that a loophole happened, and it, it they didn't uh, they didn't foresee something like this happening. Um, I do like this one from Danny Mack uh, where Danny has asked are we getting to a point now where this is going to clash with the Sunday game um, we've got a couple of minutes left I mean by all means get a few more questions in for the lads I'm going to ask them to predict next week's match as well and it is and I'm always ballsy uh, if you're going to say Dave Mack that's ballsy by me to uh, go up against the Sunday game uh, we definitely have a, a few minutes left before we go off and watch them um, but uh, Askel oh hold on what's this now does he want an eye shot JR t-shirt? It reminds me of Tom from Father Ted. Do not start this River Power. He has still not watched Father Ted. This is a spoiler. Uh, would you believe my own dog did that to me? Uh, doesn't it look like a face? That's totally lost. <laughs> Murph and I are going to laugh at, at Tom yeah. and some of the stuff he comes out with. Skell is going to stand there and go, what? So if you haven't heard River Power, and I'm sure yeah. you already have because you're a regular contributor uh, to these live chats, 
he hasn't seen Father Ted yet. So yeah, and I by all I means we'll get him a t-shirt, yeah. I can't tell if that's an insult or a compliment. Yeah, probably not a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. by your face, Murph, it's an insult. <laughs> yeah. I, I really want Skell oh, to meet Showtime Murph. I'm hoping that one of the commenters is actually Showtime Murph because Showtime Murph is always in our Instagram questions. So Showtime Murph might well be here and may well be watching this back. Um, surely it's time not for Skell to meet Showtime Murph, but for Murph to meet Showtime Murph at some point <laughs> during this. But hey, um, we will head along and uh, watch the Sunday game in a few moments' time. But I do want to ask the guys about the week coming up because... Um, this is a, an interesting setup. So I've got the Munster Hurling Championship table in front of me at the moment. Uh, Clare, four played, six points, feet up on the beach for a couple of weeks before the Munster final. They know they're in it. Uh, Tipperary, I think, are very much set to join them because Tip are playing Waterford in the last round. Waterford can't qualify. Waterford no points in three. Do either of you disagree with that firstly, that Tipperary aren't going to beat Waterford? Because I saw a few people earlier on in the chat going, maybe Davy's got something there. Maybe the Waterford Hurlers would like to get one over on Liam Cowell. Do either of you think the Waterford are going to be tip? No. 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 I, tell you, I was in the Tuesday Park last year with uh, Murphy remember, and yeah. Waterford, Waterford played Clare yeah. and uh, Clare bet the shite of them. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And because like, if, you, if you're a Tipperary camp now and you have something heavily on the line, you're going to go yeah. balls out. You're going yeah. to go balls out. And Waterford won't be able to match that intent or emotion or, or just they, they won't be able to reach the requirement to... We, I, I suppose to match Tipperary and uh, that could be that, that's a big one in itself and they're playing for nothing that's mm. so you hope they put up a good game and say and play for a bit of pride and try and get some sort of positivity back into the camp but it's hard to see yeah it's very hard to see it. like I mean you, you can't considering Watford have had so many reasons to put in good performances this year and like for it to come down to that they might put in a good performance to maybe push it up to Lean Cal I think absolutely not because you know, if you haven't had motivation this year to go out and hurl in the first place, that's that's a thin enough thing to motivate you. So no, I don't I don't see it happening. Yeah. All right. Well I I neither gonna disagree with that. Then that means beautifully Cork against Limerick and I apologise last week by the way for those a couple of people got on to us in the comments were like you never asked them for their predictions for the games of the weekend so I literally had to go WhatsApp you and reply in the comments so this time around we shall not forget you guys need to make those predictions that can be used against you at a later date Skell who's coming through Cork against Limerick and I want a winner I don't want you to say there's going to be a draw on a scoring difference I want a definitive who's going to win here Limerick why Jesus <laughs> here we go oh Jesus um, why are they going to win I just you know, as gas as this sounds will they have to <laughs> they have to win like you know and I think they will they're coming at home and I'd say their 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 supporters their crew are going to round get get around the table and, and shove them on let's, and I just think that I just think they're being slightly disrespected to a certain degree that everyone thinks they're finished and they're wrote off and certain lads aren't playing well that happens teams ebb and flow like players come their form goes up and down but at the end of the day nobody's putting Limerick away let's. they're just not putting away like if, if they were lost by seven or eight points today different story but they didn't they drew away in Thurless you know what I mean as we said they only got beaten by a point by clear whoever perceives to be the best team in Munster at the moment. So, like, it's not as if they're gone miles away. Um, Cork, just they worry me at times, lads, with regard to how they slip out of games for periods. And I think if you slip out of a game against, against Limerick where you go six or seven or eight points down, they won't let you back. You know, um, because I, I don't think they, they, they allow the penetration that the teams that Cork have played recently for goals. So, I, I, it's hard to see how Cork are going to come up with two, three four goals against the Limerick sides that don't generally concede that many chances. So it's like, if that if the, if the game goes that way, which, you know, signs are on it, it has against top level com- uh, competition, that then it could result in five, six points, you know. 
Yeah. Um, a couple of Westmead uh, supporters have been liked by a couple of, West, of Westmead hurlers as well. Like, just dedicate your full pod tonight to Westmead. Oh, well, look, we gave them a, a fairly good run, I think, along the way. Um, I think that was very, very fair for them. Uh, River Power makes a reasonable point. Um, Murph, before I ask you your prediction, will Hegarty start against Cork? Yeah, hard to know. Um, only John Kiley and Paul Knurk, I think, know maybe what... Um, What's going on with Gerald Hegarty and not having his, his influence? Uh, wouldn't surprise me if he didn't. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, I think Kylie's very capable. You see Keen Lynch coming off today, like other managers would leave him on and see him. Some he might create something, something might work out. John Kylie isn't that manager. He's proactive in his decisions. So um, it may be a situation where they might rejig things around and you might see like of Peter Casey starting. But I don't see that because Gerald Hegarty only kind of provides something that very few players provide like this raw power that he provides and if he does if, if, if things do click for him like we saw things not clicking for Tony Kelly um, earlier on this year and when it does click you can't stop him if it clicks for Groot Hegarty that could be the cornerstone in which Limerick wins so I don't think he won't start him I think you know Kylie goes again with the half forward line that we see of um, Lynch Hegarty and Tom Marsley um, but maybe there might be a few choice words said during the week you know it might be the whole thing of a kick up the hole or maybe an arm around the shoulder we don't know but I think they will start Hegarty but like I said to go back to it if the question's even being asked there has to be an element there if there's a chance where he, he, he wouldn't start So who wins Murph? Uh, Limerick I'm going to go with Limerick again um, I was looking back at there like what just, just come on sure <laughs> I'm getting to it for fuck's sake. <laughs> um, just, you know, again, Limerick's back is kind of to the wall now. Like, you look at Cork today, had a really good influence on the game and got into it there in the first quarter and then they scored two points, you know, in, in the last 15 minutes before half time. things like that. You know, if you, I, I find with Limerick at the moment, even when they're playing bad, like if you took your eyes off the score, just weren't looking at the score, Tipperary were hurling really well today and getting really good scores and then you look up at the score and you go Limerick are only point behind here like you know they just stay in the game they're like Robocop you just, it's, since we're on the night of mentioning movies they just don't disappear you can't get them off yet you know so Limerick um, yeah yeah but like Limerick I just feel are you know I agree with Skettle in that people are writing them off a little too soon like you know a drawn match and uh, losing by a point um, Cork, Cork, absolutely, and have proven in the past that they're capable of beating Tipper or beating Limerick. Um, but I think the question mark is over Cork at the moment. What do Cork bring to the situation? And I just think Limerick, when the gun is to the head, they're going to go. Listen, we want to stay in this championship and progress on and put our best foot forward. And at the moment, I'd have to say Limerick. Shawnee K, you wouldn't be alone. I think a lot of people felt that way. Uh, he said, written off a decade to Limerick, but now looking like three or four teams have caught up with them and they've gone back to the pack. Now, for the neutral, that is the best news possible. Um, as much as I've enjoyed the brilliance of this team, if teams are catching up with them and that danger is there, and you know, there was a point during that game where I thought Cork might actually turn it around against Clare and you're thinking Tip could knock Limerick out of the championship. That type of danger that's there and the danger going into next weekend against Cork is probably good for Limerick and good for the neutral. Um, I would agree with some people though, Skell, that I'd like to see Limerick lose in a knockout game if they're going to be beaten as opposed to it wouldn't have been great if they'd just gone out today in the round robin. Yeah. I want to see um, someone beat I, them and beat them. I hear really a beat them when it's absolutely everything's on the line. Um, I suppose if, if Cork did beat Clare today, that, that would have been the case. Um, but geez, yeah, I suppose. Again, see, we, we, we've grown accustomed to Limerick 
facing down every challenge they face. So when teams come at different game plans, different types of system or personnel, we've always said the Limerick have always had the answer. And look, I suppose right now they're probably looking for the answer at the minute. And the answer like, is, is, is certainly in their personnel that they have to produce the goods a bit better than what they've been doing in the last couple of weeks. And like, we keep pointing to the Hegarty's Lynch this world. And like, if they if they get rolling again, and like there was a question there, I think you asked more about does Hegarty start? And like for me, he does like, because like who is... Like what's going on in his head right now? Like he just wants to get hurled because when you make an error, let's say, or you don't play well, your initial reaction is, "I want to play again. I want to fix it. You know, I want to right the wrong." Mm. So I guarantee, you, in his head, he's saying, "Right, give me another shot. Give me another shot." And so when they're playing next week, he's he's itching to start. And like if you're going to get your, no one's going to get himself out of this mess. I hate to use another sounds with strong as only himself. So if he just strikes a point or two, God knows what he'd do, you know, against Cork next week. So yes, I think he's starting. He's too valuable not to start. And he requires too much attention and might necessarily might open up something for, for others. But yeah, like if you're going to beat Limitless, like you have to knock them out. And if they come through third place and go on the opposite side, like that's tough. That that puts more importance in guys on who plays the, the who wins the Leinster final. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like don't get me wrong, if you're going to win the Ireland, you have to beat everyone. But like if, if let's say Gord Kinney and let's say Kilkenny potentially lose and they're into that side of the draw, it's, it's tricky business. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Have to go that route, yeah. Yeah, and for any Carlo viewers or listeners that we have to the pods, um, you know, hopefully Saturday is a sporting game, but I hope the coin toss, if Limerick get through, falls on your side as opposed to Offaly's to have to play them. Um, so the two games in Munster this coming Sunday, then you've got uh, Limerick against Cork at the Gaelic Grounds, four o'clock, same time, Semple Stadium is tip against Waterford. Uh, the TV game is going to be the one with everything at stake, which is Limerick against Cork. Leinster Senior Championship, how it stands going into the final round. Uh, Galway are in a very strong position to qualify because their scoring difference as much as anything else, plus 59. They play against Dublin at Croke Park knowing that avoiding defeat will 100% put them into the Leinster final. But even if they're defeated, because of the scoring situation, it looks very likely that Galway will qualify anyway. Now, the mix in all this is what happens in Kilkenny against Wexford. That game probably holds the key to two positions within the group. Uh, Kilkenny know they're in the Leinster final 100% if they win or if they draw. If they lose, then they're at the whim of what happens in the Dublin against Galway game. Wexford now can't qualify. We know that Dublin are into the knockout stages, so minimum they're going to be an All-Ireland preliminary quarter final but the situation at the bottom Wexford on two Westmeath on two but Westmeath ahead of Wexford on head to head Antrim are going to have to get a result on the final day if they're to stay up and if Antrim were to win and Kilkenny were to win Wexford go into the Joe McDonough which I don't think any of us really expected um, but Skell your old boss Miguel Dunne would be really happy that Dublin have now got themselves into the knockout stages and this game against Galway will feel like a literal free hit against his old side on Sunday afternoon yeah, I'd say he'll go hammer and tongs, to be honest. Um, I know they're guaranteed, let's say, I was going to call it promotion, excuse me. They're guaranteed to exit the group, but like, I know me, he's, he's an extreme competitor. And like I'd say, I, I saw bits of the game against Kikini and it didn't look hectic, to be honest. You know, I could be wrong there no more, if you probably saw more of it than I did, but it didn't look hectic. So I'd say he's probably got a bit to work on. So if he's to go places, he wanted to get, you know, he starters back in back on the pitch next week and see can they, they improve. And uh, I suppose right now, you can nearly you can nearly look at look at the year for Dublin and say look it's been successful you know it's been successful so far because to get out of the group was was kind of a box tick that I said that that they, that they needed to do this year for for it to be a successful year and sure who knows what happens after that you just never know in knockout hurling as we said ourselves like like again look at Leash top top in the last uh, three or four years ago so anything can happen so yeah good for him yeah uh, Murph how do you see Dublin Galway going then 
yeah, look, I just think Galway will just have far too much from here, to be honest. Like, even looking at Galway with Antrim over the weekend and just went about their business, you know, they're very much focused on controlling their own their own ship and, and just getting into a Leinster final. Like, Kilkenny Dublin, looking at Dublin there, I mean, there was, there was fits and spurts where Dublin got a few good scores and stuff, but they never really, like, I know they took off in an early lead, but they never looked like really winning the game. Uh, and at the moment, they don't look like they're potent enough up front to actually go and beat Galway. Um, so I, I just don't see it happening and I think Crow Park anyway will suit Galway I know we said that you know obviously when you actually break down the numbers it suits Dublin really as well considered um, compared to Parnell Park but I just think where both teams are at at the moment um, it's very much like Tipperary going playing Washford Galway want to control their own ship at the moment and they'll just go look at we have too much for Dublin both on paper and in reality like you know we have too much for Dublin so let's go out here and beat Dublin um, and I just I just can't see it coming from anywhere else for Dublin over Turngala Yeah uh, Gary Farrell wondering would not be head to head for Dublin and Kilkenny in the circumstance where the teams have finished on seven points you'd be looking at a Dublin win against Galway and Kilkenny losing against Wexford so then three teams will be on Equal points, they'll all be on seven. And as things stand, and I have in front of me here somewhere, Galway have got the best scoring difference on 59, Kilkenny on 45 and Dublin on nine. And that's kind of why I said at the outset that it would take a remarkable scoring difference change as well. Like Dublin would have to absolutely scotch Galway with the way things stand if they were to... Points. Yeah, like oh, so... Yeah. Yeah, Not that's why I say Galway have got like a foot and a half into the final at this stage. Yeah, if two teams are level on the at the end, it goes head to head. But if there's more than two teams, it goes to scoring difference. And that's why we've said a few times, that's why uh, Galway have to turn around and just beat everyone in front of them to get the best possible scoring difference. Um, Scale, we heard Paul already say Wexford, Kilkenny. Kilkenny will go all out to try and beat them. He thinks Kilkenny will win. Do you expect Kilkenny to win or is there a miraculous two years in a row to Wexford? Because remember the fixtures fell similarly last season and Wexford were held to a draw by Westmead and then they beat Kilkenny on the last day to qualify. Is there a possible kick in Wexford to beat Kilkenny on Sunday afternoon? It, there's definitely a kick. I think again, when I was just speaking about Gary Tegarty and what he want, needs to do to get back on track is to, to start playing again, keep playing and no more than Wexford. They're, I guarantee you those players in that group lads are disgusted. They're going home just disgusted and they're extremely disappointed and they want to right the wrongs. So I think there will be a kick. Um, it's just how long can the kick last for? So if you, the, the first few minutes to say, if, if Kikini weathered the storm, call it weathered the kick, right? And next mm-hmm. Kikini on top, that, you know, the power of the kick will go very fast. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I just think Kikini are too strong up frontless. I, I, I can't see where, how, how a situation, how Wexford outshoot Kikini. Like Kenny, like look at the scores. Like if you look at like Billy Ryan, Massachusetts, Owen Cody, TJ Reid, like just Adrian Warren, they're just popping up. Let's say, and they're spreading the load. There's no one man carrying all the load. They're, they're all spreading pretty well. And it's like so, if you marshal one guy, five other guys to stand up. If you marshal two guys, you know, so they just have a really good spread. Can't see how they're going to outscore Kenny. So I think, unfortunately, in my view, the writing's on the wall right for Wexford, and all they can do is put in the best performance possible and pray to God, and don't uh, don't top it with well played by Patrick Coleman. The only kick he believes in KK there is KK kicking Wexford. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, Westmead and Antrim, I don't know how to call it because I think uh, this is one if I was on the Westmead and Antrim backroom teams, I'd be keeping Twitter open or I'd have one of my backroom team keeping an eye on what's happening in the Kilkenny game because, bizarrely enough, if you're Westmead, it might be advantageous to lose to Antrim if Kilkenny are ahead against Wexford. Kind of a bizarre situation. Yeah, or they might do what Kikini Wexford did two years ago and oh, group, to get, group together and knock us out. 
Oh, the little violin is back out again in here. If I was down here, pitch that down and smash the violin off you. Right, we're going to go in a minute, Paul. But do you believe in any of Skell's extreme Galway propaganda here and claims he's made against you that some kind of backhanded deals were cut on that day? <laughs> Jesus, I tell you one thing, as someone who's playing that day now, if there was backhanded deals, I wasn't in on it anyway. <laughs> we were frantically doing our best to try and win that match. Uh, but, I just uh, got an image of Cody and Fitzy meeting in a jack room somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I just remember at the end of that one because I think we were safe anyway. We were in Leinster final. Yeah. And because we were going off and obviously you were then after realising that you were out. But then since it was down in Wexford Park, the Wexford crowd realised they're now in the Leinster final. So there was, there was kind of chaos everywhere, but we were just walking off the pitch going, ah, look, we're in the Leinster final. Okay, grand, you know. But, yeah, you know, I, I always remember seeing the pictures of you up in Parnell Park finding out while you're on the pitch. I was going, Jesus, that's that's not easy, like trying to digest that of an evening that you're suddenly out, like, you know. Is, is that what you said, yeah? Uh, is that what you said? I know what you said. You said, <laughs> said look your fate was in your own hands uh, that day so yeah. uh, so this Sunday then you've got Wexford Kilkenny Wexford Park all these games at 2 o'clock Dublin against Galway Croker uh, which is a double header with the football Dublin Roscommon uh, Westmead against Antrim 2 o'clock so relegation and the Leinster final still on the line uh, going into those last round of games you've got the Joe McDonough Cup final is on Saturday which is Offaly against Carlo Crow Park at a quarter to five and yeah I put my perfectly neutral hat on for that one and I've no idea who's going to win uh, Carlo coming in with a with very strong form but Offaly were good up until the final day and we didn't get to see the two teams at full strength because you know Offaly decided to try a few players out ahead of the final as was their want and it's created plenty of drama I think between Leash and Offaly in the, the week or so since lads I've enjoyed the, the live pod format again um, I think there's courting even going on in the comments at this stage. That's how it's yeah, gone. It's getting out of hand, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> people people may well have gone off to the, the Sunday game to watch it at this stage, especially with the games that we've just had. But it's your luck. Um, if people could leave us a like or a comment underneath the video as well, it really helps out. We've had um, a few really, really um, engaged uh, audiences around the videos in recent weeks. So that's why we decided to go live for these two weeks. So we were live uh, this week. We're going to be live again around 8pm next Sunday to take in the end of the Provincial Championships in both Leinster and Munster. If you can leave us a like or potentially leave us a review if you're listening to us in audio form, that helps out massively along the way as well. Um, helps to push us out to a new audience. Uh, we're definitely seeing uh, new people pop up in these live chats all the time as well uh, so welcome aboard and hopefully we've got you for the rest of the summer Murph, Skell thanks a million sound lads talk to you to all you lovely listeners we'll see you at 8 o'clock next week OTB's The Hurling Pod with Board Gosh Energy Hurling it's anyone's game <laughs>